Well, all right. See, my vocified friends, we're all here to lay down some groovy information for you all. Like for sure. Oh, yeah, you know it. Hey, say, animal, want to tell them what's up? Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. <laughs> That's right, my dude. This episode of Geeking Off the Page is chock full of them. So here we go with the latest one. One, two, and a half. In a world overrun with an infinite amount of multiverses, originating from a plethora of sources, four longtime friends band together to try to make sense of it all and present it to an audience in an easy-to-digest podcast. This is Geeking Off the Page. I'm Michael P. Kitchen, millionaire, own a mansion and a yacht. I'm Trevor Brown. I got a haircut, but it didn't make me any smarter. I'm Gavin, and I am surrounded by cats doing bad things. And I'm Troy Bowman, and I don't care what they say, Dot is still the cute one. All right, so uh, this is episode number five of Geeking Off the Page. Uh, We have everyone gathered here to uh, go over the past weeks of uh, comic book related media and uh so far so good everyone's having fun i think um we're all uh a group holy of cats uh, one of cats. us is <laughs> so many bad cats so uh, again we're just a gathering of uh age-old friends from uh, 25 years ago from our college days and uh, we've always been in this sort of media mind to begin with we've always been interested in comic books and uh we've drawn it throughout our lives to this point here so we've gathered together to make this tiny little podcast and uh we'll just go on with what we're doing because we're having fun right sure absolutely that's good that was i I have no objection to that particular statement this is going to be an outtake. Yeah, that's for sure. Actually, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do like a Frankenfurter and just a patient thing and uh, just draw out the we're talking trailers to begin with. Um, so there wasn't very much in the uh, new sort of uh, trailers out there. Um, there was a one for uh, 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 Morbius, which is uh, basically due out now. They've uh, moved the date on it, and it's going to be uh, due out. Well, actually, it is suspected to be due out on January uh, 28th of 2022 because it is actually in post-production right now as we speak. So the trailer that we got probably won't be the actual final trailer, but it is now the second official trailer, and it doesn't show much more. It shows a little more of uh, Dr. Morbius um before he gets into the vampirism of the actual character of Morbius. And uh, there's not much more to it than that. Is anyone looking forward to this movie? Anyone? I anyone? Gotta say, I there is almost nothing in the Sony uh, combined universe that has really grabbed me. Uh, Venom was okay, but if they're combining it with Tom Holland Spider-Man at some point, okay, that could be inter- interesting or at least entertaining at some point. 
but trying to do Mobius or Morbius without Spider-Man it just doesn't seem to work for me. Not to mention it's Jared Leto who like hands out condoms wrapped in coleslaw or something like that to his co-stars like half the time when he's when he's on set. So I mean, <laughs> sounds like you have a personal experience with that, Gavin. Well, actually, now that you mention it, I've got an autograph. No, actually, I got rid of it because it was terrifying. Um, well, don't forget, don't forget though, the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies are technically. Uh, Sony Pictures. They are with association with Marvel Comics. He's uh, not. He's not that interesting of a character. I mean, if I had to choose between watching a movie about Morbius, the Living Vampire, or you know, reintroducing Blade, I'm going to go watch Blade. You know, if I'm watching a vampire flick, I'll go watch Blade over Morbius. He's just. He's. It's just like a sort of character. Like, who cares? I'm not he used was, to being the good guy. I'm actually kind of surprised with how good that trailer looked. I'm not a fan of the whole Spider-Verse where they're just going to mine as many Spider-Man villains as possible just to make movies in a franchise. But of all the ones I've done so far, like I'm way more interested in Morbius than I was in, say, Venom. Because I know Venom was going so far away from the source material. It's like, you can't do Venom until Spider-Man gets a black suit. But Morbius yeah. is like... All right, I can. I probably wouldn't go buy a ticket in the theater for it, but I'd be interested to see it when it comes out on a streaming site. Yeah, I mean, I, I might catch it if it comes on like HBO or, or Netflix. It's just, I mean, he was always a supporting character. It's like, you know, he, he was in Blade comics, he was in Spider Man comics. I, did he? I don't even know if he got his own series, but it was just he had he had a couple of limited series. He never had a full run series. Yeah, it's it just always, it's because yeah. he's just not. You know, it's, it's it's like the sidekick. Who wants to watch a movie about the sidekick? Although they did make the movie about the talking tree and the raccoon. I would but watch that a movie was about Marvel, not. Yeah, but it's Tony. it's just it's point taken. It it just I don't know. I when I first heard that, ooh, they're going to do Morbius, I was just kind of like. Just take all that energy and make another Blade movie. Um, you know, don't make us wait. Well, they also are making a Blade movie, but it's quite, I, it's Marvel that is making the Blade movie. So I, I, I know, but it's just you know why. I, I know this is Sony's bid to keep some of the Spider-Man, at least the the Rogues Gallery rights. But there's so many other characters they could choose. Really, they're they're making like the DC mistake of trying to overexpand things that haven't been properly set up, in my opinion. You know, like it's like the fact that they did Venom before Spider-Man got the black suit, right? You're introducing villains before they had their run in with Spider-Man. Exactly. Yeah. There's no reason for Venom to look the way he is without having the Spider-Man connection to begin with. Yeah, exactly. Like, like he shouldn't have the spider or the, the eye shape. It just shouldn't yeah. be there. I was sure they were going to set that up in Infinity War. It's like you actually finally got Spider-Man in space on an alien planet. If you're going to introduce it, that's the time to do it. You could even just had suggested that it was going to happen. You didn't have to go into Parker being infested with the black suit or anything. You could have just... Right. Yeah. You could have had something like, uh, like you know, uh, Peter Parker. Hey, Mr. Spar Stark, I found this this puddle of black goo. <laughs> I kind of stuck my hand in it. Exactly. I can see it more like and yeah, exactly. That's all they had to do. And I, then I could have seen it more of him, you know, 
on the on the Battle of Titan, you know, his suit gets damaged to the point where he's, you know, kind of like when, when Tony was getting his suit damaged by Thanos and eventually he didn't even have enough to make a full mask anymore. Yeah. And you have the same thing going on because Holland's suit is, is also, it's nanotech. You could have a suit basically being destroyed piece by piece by piece. And eventually there's a piece of Titan technology there and it starts to rebuild the suit. He doesn't realize that as he's fighting, those parts of the suit that have been rebuilt are now pure black. Yeah. That's all. It'd, it'd be a little there messy. you go. Venom fix. Yeah. Venom fix. There we go. Yeah. We're gone. We're good. You're welcome. And then when he shows back up in in Endgame, more of his costume is black than it is the. Yeah, he it shows up like as a black Spider Man. Why not? Yeah, it just has it maybe a couple of little lights and a little bits of the red and blue, but the rest of it's black. And then after the fight, and then after the fight, it like leaks off of him, or say Parker gets hit with like some sort of sonic weapon, and it gets shot off of him, and all that, and it crawls away, sort of thing. And that's how it friggin' well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then they still could have had the rest of the story with the other symbiote characters coming down to Earth, finding, hey, this is where one of our guys went. Let's exactly. track him down, sort of thing. Yeah, it could. It, it's just that simple of a fix. Come on, Marvel, what's going on, huh? Now I do. Two studios, though. Yeah. Now studios, I do appreciate you're right. the the Venom Two is going to be Carnage, and I really enjoy the fact that Woody Harrelson will be yeah. Cletus. In the Ronald McDonald uh, wig? Hopefully that'll get burned off or something, but Woody Harrelson, even back in his Cheers days, I always thought, you know, this is a guy who could play something a little off the wall. Oh, yeah, no, no. His well, Natural um, Born Killers. Exactly. Oh, he's just say that. Killers, I was yeah. like, wow. And the second, I mean, I saw Natural Born Killers and then Maximum Carnage, and I was thinking like, man, they must have really been watching some Natural Born Killers while they were, you know, coming up with some of the, the writing for this. I, I'm not going to, yes, I will completely 100% agree with you that, yes, Woody Harrelson will be able to play a really great, oh, what, what is the actual character's name? What's the person's name? Cassidy. Thank you, Cassidy. Um, but that ridiculous final shot of, <laughs> everyone knows that I don't, I don't care who, first of all, it doesn't even look like a good wig to begin with. It was probably a last minute thing and they're like, well, Quick, hit the makeup truck so you can find a wig that just that's red. Any of them, it's curly yeah, hair, know, red. Yeah. Slap yeah. it on his skull. It's like a, a quick, you know, one take shoot. Oh, that was totally done. That was totally done in an afternoon. That uh, yeah. we got Woody Harrelson here for like three hours, maybe. He's and visiting the set. Let's. let's yeah, shoot. exactly. Yeah. All right. Anything else about Morbius? Anyone? 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 All right. Yeah, exactly, Gavin. That that says it all. Eh. I mean, if everything is every if everything is back up to snuff and theaters are fine and whatnot, next January, I can see myself paying for a ticket to go see them in the theater because, I mean, I would prefer to see a Marvel movie, no matter what it is, in the theaters than on my phone. I, I am at the point where I would I would see almost anything in the theaters if it's yeah, available. That's true. I mean, that's true. when te uh, Tenet came out, uh, every everything had been closed for you know six months, and then they were doing that cautious reopen thing. So uh, we we got tickets to the VIP. You know, there you know how wide the VIP seats are, right? Like you yeah. know the giant easy chair, a giant easy chair, and then another like a, a half a block, and then another couple of giant easy chairs between them right so we didn't feel particularly threatened but watching tenant in a theater 
versus watching it, you know, at home. Like we don't, we don't have a terrible sound system, but like, what's a Christopher Nolan movie without like the, the overarching, yeah. like, wow, kind of sound effect going like the vibrating right through you. There, it, it, I can't, I can't imagine experiencing it at home without that, you know, without that sound effect just going through you, like, I don't know, like brand flakes or something. Worked pretty well. Benny and my subwoofers like right under my left foot. So when that thing kicks off, I could feel it right through the chair, right through the top of my head. Like you probably uh, heard uh, or felt Gavin's sound effect there. It was oh, like yeah. a Christopher Nolan movie, movie right in your foot. <laughs> right through my foot into my wow. knee. Wow. All right, then. Sure. All right, then. So moving on, we also got our uh, second and much more fuller. A lot more, a couple more scenes of the new Disney Plus Loki series. And um, we also got a new release date for it as well. So happy birthday to me. Uh, the series actually gets released on my birthday, which is June 9th, which is kind of cool and all that. So yay, Tom Hiddleston. Um, I, again, like I had mentioned before, I'm a little uh, sort of uh, put back that uh, it seems to be a lot of Owen Wilson in this. Um, even more so than the previous trailer, a lot more Owen Wilson in this. Uh, But but you know what? I'm pretty sure, like, I can't remember if it's six to eight episodes or something like that. Oh, I've got six episodes. Yeah, six episodes. Thank you. I was watching Bad Batch before the recording. So, um, so yeah, so yeah, six episodes of Loki, hour long. Loki, so I guess it won't be that much Owen Wilson, but I'll be able to deal with that because it's Tom Hiddleston and the extra stuff they show in this trailer looks like it's going to be such a fun ride, especially just (laughs) Tom Hiddleston trying to pretend that he's reforming himself. (laughs) Because again, it's not the Loki that we ended up losing at the beginning of Infinity War. It's a whole new look at the end of the Avengers. Yep. Oh, there he is, yeah. Well, we get to root for him because he's, you know, he's evil Loki. And now he's, you know, all of all of the, all of that awesome redemption stuff he went through. Out the window. White yeah. clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All that good that he did is now back to the mischievous, mischievous god Loki, the trickster. So yeah, so that's that's one that uh, I'm totally, totally cannot wait to see. Um, it looks like it's going to be more, hmm, I can't say more entertaining. It'll probably be a little more consistent than how, um, whatchamacallit, Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended up being at the end. Because I can't see it not being a, more, a fuller story, a more consistent story than what we got with. I hope so. Right now, Marvel for me is 50-50, right? WandaVision, you know, was a grand slam. Mm -hmm. Falcon Winter Soldier is kind of, you know, strike strike out a little bit on that one. So I'm curious where this one's going to land, right? If they knock Loki out of the park, then, you know, Marvel's got a pretty good batting average. If they drop the ball on it, then it's going to be interesting to see where it goes from there. I'm kind of hoping that the end of Loki kind of ties us into uh, Thor Love and Thunder. That would be great. I'd like oh, to, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, because... 
Go on, Mike. Did you guys, did you guys see how for WandaVision, Doctor Strange was supposed to make an appearance? And they decided <laughs> last minute to cut his appearance. Yeah. Because they didn't want him to take away from the whole Scarlet Witch story. Right? Yeah, and exactly. It's, yeah. It's yeah, they didn't of... want uh, Magic Man show, shows Wanda how it's done kind of thing. Right. And well, it... it's kind of too bad that they did that because it would be a great lead because Marvel's always so good at even if it's a post-credit scene, like do something to get everybody hyped for the next movie. And I understand the reasoning why they did it. And it was still a great show, but they missed out on a huge opportunity to tie everything together. And I think the thing with Loki would be the same thing. If you don't tie this into Thor somehow, then you're losing a massive opportunity. I agree. I I think the like the end of WandaVision, you know, they had the the, the, the final cutscene where she's you know, astral self is reading through the, the dark hole while she's having a cup, of, a cup of tea. It would have been nice to have some more credits. And then even just a shot through the window of the, uh, from the inner sanctum, you know, that, that symbol yes. and just the Cumberbatch's voiceover of something of, Oh, there seems to be a little bit of a magical disturbance. I need to look into and end it there. Just cut there. You don't have to show his face. You just have to a slope, slow pan up, of, of the window of you know the light streaming through that window and just him almost like you know he's, he's walking along and stops and there's like oh seems to be a bit of a disturbance here i'm gonna go check Where's it right? out bam and there then now you jump into the movie yeah. you know it could have worked even uh, with that even like uh because you know throwing dr strange in there you know like the main like a ma- massive main character in the whole arc and like a major star in, in their own uh, in his own right but what they could have done is they could have had uh, basically wong sitting there and he, he goes, Dr. Strange, we might want to look into this, you know, and, you know, maybe just the silhouette of him kind of walking across the sanctum. Yeah, I mean, just something something that could connect you. Like, I mean, like the symbol through the window is a, is a big one. Everyone's connected that to Strange now. That would have been a great way to connect into, you know, multiverse of madness. Now, so, wasn't, but wasn't it also originally supposed to be actually, um, before the whole entire shutdown and no movies going into theaters wasn't actually um, uh, Doctor Strange supposed to be released first and then WandaVision the series no, was supposed no, to be on? No, no, they were they Oh no, wait, it was supposed to be the series and then Doctor Strange yeah. was supposed to be released. That's right, that's right. Yeah. It was supposed to so be one right I'm after the other. With Loki, they take this opportunity even in the last episode to somehow tie it to either Love and Thunder or Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Right. So either or somehow tie that together. But okay, so Love and Thunder is due out next year. Yeah. But Guardians of the Galaxy is due out in 2023, correct? Yeah. So yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. 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 So Which I guess it together. It's the yeah. as Guardians of the Galaxy and then Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Right. Okay. Okay, but um, yeah, so we're all looking forward to Loki. Yes, yes, that's yes. what I'm, I'm going to say. Everyone's yeah. looking forward to Loki. It was, it was funny. A, a friend of mine at, at uh, Taekwondo was saying he was kind of disappointed that there was no Marvel series premiering this month. I'm like, buddy, we still got four more series and four more movies this year alone. Before, <laughs> before you know, we get to New Year's, four movies and four series. There's plenty of stuff coming. We can take a Star Wars break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because what in July alone we got theatrically released uh, black widow which is mm-hmm. hopefully hopefully yes it's going to be a yes but i don't know 
anyways, um, so the other big, um, it wasn't really, uh, I guess it was technically a, a, a teaser trailer that was four minutes long. And we got the um, Marvel- Phase four. Yes, Marvel phase four. Well, actually just Marvel itself returning to theatrical release trailer. It basically goes from the very beginning back with Iron Man and carries straight through to the releases and how the audience gets into it. And uh, they decide, you know, we're going to pull on some more heartstrings with this. And we're going to have the whole entire thing narrated by Stan the Man. Yeah. Um, it was, it, it was, it was, it was weird hearing his voice connected to like a Marvel property again. It was, it was kind of weird. Um, it was uh, a very surprising, <laughs> surprising surprise. That's what it was. It was a surprising surprise. Uh, but um, again, it was cool. They started showing how audiences were reacting to it. They were showing how the audiences like entwined themselves into the, they did cosplay stuff and all that. And then they did one of the coolest things and they had footage of people in the theater during Captain getting Milner, Captain saying meow, meow, Avengers Assemble. Meow meow, yes, meow meow. meow, meow. <laughs> and and um, how the audience reacted to that. And that is, I mean, if you did not see it with an audience and didn't get that experience, you missed out on something. And again, this I I got emotional watching it, but <laughs> I'm freaking a wuss nowadays anyways so that's how to think Infinity War and Endgame the two big moments were both with basically Thor weapons yep Infinity War when Thor showed up in Wakanda I remember sitting in the audience and when he did the jump and the sky darkens and all the electricity you couldn't hear anything because people were screaming so loud yeah and then in Endgame when Mjolnir's pops up and, and rushes over and it's cat catches it again it was like just a wall of sound of all the people around me screaming their hearts out and yeah. then when cat caught it again and said avengers assemble again complete deafness they also did the on your left was in the was in this yep. teaser and showing mm -hmm. the audience reactions to it too which was yeah so it was a fantastic thing and oh. then and then they decided to uh, basically give us our teasers for the upcoming movies. Um, there was, um, what actually is the actual order of it? It's There we go. Um, so it's some new uh, uh, Black Widow. We get to see Taskmaster uh, as well as some of the other characters. Still didn't uh, fix the suit. Yeah, unfortunately they didn't. Um, then from there, we will unpause. Uh, Black Widow, and then Shang Chi, and Legend of the Ten Rings, followed by the Eternals, right? Um, followed by let's see, Spider Man. Okay, No Way Home, Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness. Which again, we didn't get footage for that. Yeah, Thor, it's just titled. Yeah. Uh, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm so uh, curious how they're going to handle that one. The oh, Marvels. for sure, yeah. The Marvels, that was it, yeah. Um, and then Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Quantumania, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. 
And then it was the teaser symbol of Fantastic Four. Yes, which I thought was an amazing thing. And guess what's still not in there? Blade's not in there. Yeah, Blade's there's no Blade, Blade thing. I think, Blade, I think, is 2024. Oh, really? They were actually dealing with it that far away? Okay. I think I remember seeing that when they were showing the um, at the Comic-Con, like all the different, you know, um, franchises they were talking about. And they had the various actors coming up and they were talking about this one won't be out until at least 2024 because, I mean, they've got him signed, but they don't have a script. They don't have anything else, really. So plan far and ahead. One thing I'm worried about is the four symbol. Is that Fantastic Four or is that Captain America Four? I th I think it's going to be. I mean, I'm looking at it. It's drawn like the Fantastic Four. Yeah, it exactly. It's I within know. within a. Oh, I see what you're saying. But are you thinking it that is within a circle? Could be you never sure. know with Marvel. You never know. I mean, I really do hope that you know the the rumor mills been talking about uh, Jim from the Office. Uh, oh God, what's his name? Emily Blunt. Krakinski. Um, him and his wife Emily Blunt would be, you know, Mr. Fantastic and Invisible Girl. So I know people have been casting that for years. Yeah, they have for years, but you know they haven't denied it. Those those pictures that those Photoshop uh, pictures that have been floating around look pretty fucking good. Well, don't forget Krasinski actually went up for Captain America to begin with too. Yeah. I mean, yep. So to 10, 12, I guess what. How many years later would it be? It'd be about 12, 13 years later to get cast as Reed Richards. Yeah. Not so bad. Not so bad at all. Yeah. Well, didn't didn't he didn't he like, sit there watch uh, Chris Evans walk by wearing the Captain America suit and he's like, Yeah, I'm I'm not Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> not me this time. Well, then he goes on to do friggin' the uh, Jack Reacher series and yeah, which he does a fantastic job in that. Does. And then yeah. the, the Quiet Place 1 and 2. Quiet Place as well, yeah, yeah. I, I he just looks kept, like a Reed Richards. I kept seeing seeing his what seeing his uh, Jack Reacher kind of do the gem face at the camera kind of thing. It's like, do it! Come on, Every, do yeah, it! He, well, ah. yeah. It was, it was good that there wasn't a lot of that sort of thing, but he did have a couple of looks at his partner and all that every once in a while that looked like a gym look, but it wasn't directly a camera sort of thing, but. Alrighty then. So, uh, yeah, well, so... what do you guys think about Eternals so far? I'm, <laughs> I'm not the... sure what to think, honestly. The three seconds that we saw? Still not sold. Still not sold at all. I It's like, I keep getting hit and miss on that. Like I wasn't thrilled with the original idea of the casting and the gender bending and all that kind of stuff. Then I heard about the filming of it, where they're trying to keep as much practical sets and natural yeah. settings, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like, okay, I'm pretty sold on that. Then I'm going to do a screen share here. Let's see if this works. Um, someone had put together this Mike thing with the comparison of the original oh, the Kirby characters with the, you know, like the... Oh, I see. Okay. ...designs of them. And it's like, okay, the top ones like the movie characters look like the judge looks video pretty game close. characters i guess but oh i see okay, you know yeah. what i mean it's like what's with the spindly arm on the judge yeah it's like he yeah. can't even pick up his own coffee <laughs> it's so strange and i think that um both like in uh, guardians of the galaxy with james gunn and with the uh, thor ragnarok with taika watiki is that how you say his name yeah um, 
like they were able to capture the Kirby design. They did. The like, well and they showed uh, uh, who was it? Uh, who did they show with the uh, when they showed the power gem? I can't. I I knew the name of the celestial they showed. Yeah, I remember the shot, and that, I thought that was phenomenal. But it's like I wonder why they wouldn't get those guys in as you know assistant art directors on this and just kind of yeah, help like, guide the look. Okay, so I will admit that I don't know a lot about the Eternals. Now, are these so the Kirby drawings? Are they just like are they regular humans or like like not regular They're humans, like space but, gods? So are they like giants or are they like human sh- size or can they change their their shapes or whatever their their sizing or something like that are they like giants they can be whatever size they they want to be okay so they can adapt i guess wherever they are right yeah okay okay here i'm gonna gonna share a quick screen thing here uh let's see if i can get this to work probably not there we go Uh, there you go yeah perfect i see what you're talking about oh yeah Hold on. So that there's the, the yes. still frame of the yeah 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 and that I mean you pull it up versus the Kirby and that's almost that identical. is a, yeah that is yep. that is definitely copying of the Kirby yes for sure and but it's like they couldn't do it like like they were like well yeah we're gonna come into the gate a little stupid yeah that's the problem with a lot of Hollywood productions is you get art designers that think they're smarter than the original source material and it's like back the 90s godzilla yeah right? it's like oh, i had a pet iguana once so i have to make godzilla my iguana it's like nah you don't it should be a guy in a rubber suit yeah that's one thing the new godzilla got right but same with these kirby drawings Are you is already it, showed is it this works. concept stuff though the, the stuff you were showing yeah that, i think that was the original promotional stuff that like i remember seeing these like a year ago one of the I, uh I have faith that Marvel could, will get the look right. I, I mean, hope so. I, I so, hope so, but I'm I'm still I. I don't know. The, the Eternals is just it's like a giant family drama. It's like family matters or something. But what makes the drama in that whole family is the fact that Thanos is a part of that family. You know that the head of the Eternals, Thanos is his deformed son. Um, and considered a deviant because he doesn't have like the the classic good looks, and like you know his cousin Star Fox is like a, a, what is it the god of love or whatever it is. Um, but it's that you might be able to work it into the movie if they do it like oh this happened a few years earlier. Yeah, like, like Black have, Widow. Maybe you know, that one happens maybe. after she died. But maybe they can pull it off. I don't know. We'll, it'll be interesting. I, I hope so. But it's just that's what made the Eternal such a you know, an interesting story was the fact that there was, you had that conflict there. You know, it's, a, it's like having your son going, well, dad, you know, I love you and everything, but I worship death and I got to kill you all. Uh, I, I could just see uh, if they bring Thanos into the, uh, sort of, you know, back in time, I could just see him going like uh, pulling a carbon. Screw you guys. I'm going to kill half the universe on my own. <laughs> <laughs> that would be amazing. I would go see the movie for that moment. <laughs> I would too. I'd be like, wait for that moment. Got that moment. I don't care about what happens after this. <laughs> I think I th- I think we can all we can do is wait. I if I, I'm prepared to uh, to uh, prepare for the worst, but they have not necessarily let uh, let me down. It's just in general, 
I mean, yeah, I, I know, Mike. I can see your eyes rolling. Trevor, I'm still no, I'm I'm still rooting for it. I want it to be great. All these movies, I want to be great. Well, I don't think we want any Marvel actual property to tank or anything like that. And like I, I said, I see films to be great, but I know it's not going to happen. That's the thing. <laughs> that's what we've been. That, yeah, but that's. I mean. That's what we've got, though. I mean, we're 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 told we're, we've learned we we've evolved to this point where DC is not going to make a good movie. DC will make individual good movies, but they can't make a series of good movies. Not as much. It's like they right. hand you the hamburger off the grill, and you're like, "That's raw," but I'll try it just in case. Yeah, that's raw. That's raw. <laughs> the other bits, <laughs> the other bits are okay, right? But once I get into the center of it, it's we used another. It's well, minutes it frozen? <laughs> is the center still frozen <laughs> yeah that's that's a dc move it's like it looks raw smells raw i'm gonna take a bite anyway just in case yeah it's Mar- marvel just can't seem to get or sorry D- dc just can't seem to get some of their most important characters right they can't get live action right is the problem the, exactly but marvel has without without their 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 strongest most popular teams x-men uh fantastic four uh who, who am I missing here? Uh, Spider-Man. You know, they, they, they didn't have the A team. They had to settle for the C team to try and try and build this movie. And they've managed to do, do it like yep. one character at a time, flesh them out, make them likable characters. They, like, and now they've, they're, they're basically saying like, now here's the Eternals. Now we sold you on the, the talking raccoon and the tree. So remember that as we bring in the Eternals, right? Adisa's like, "Hey, want to see Batman?" Sorry, can't. <laughs> we get another Batman. Uh, we're getting a, the, uh, an earlier Batman too. Apparently, if uh, all the rumors are out there that are true, there are actually um, have people taking exterior footage of the uh, Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne manner, which is kind of cool for the new uh, flash movie coming out so that's always a nice hopeful sign but uh, yeah, that's guess, an interesting one i'm yeah, curious to see how that pans out exactly yeah well especially if also it looks like um ben affleck might also be in this flash movie as well so i mean to show that it's a multitude of universes will allow dc to do what they want to do george all right, so uh, I guess we're going to move on to our next subject. And uh, has anyone got anything out there that they uh, want to talk about, what they want to go over and all that? Who wants to start? Who wants to start? I think everyone's got a bit of a subject they want to start with. Anyone? 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 Well, I'll go with my little Doctor Who thing. If I want to, yeah, we'll do that before it. you get into the Transformers. Then you can do a big Transformers spiel. Um, so as we've talked about previous podcasts, the family's been watching Doctor Who religiously over the past few months. Right. So in typical Time Lord fashion, we started with David Tennant and worked our way through the Matt Smith season. So, you know, three seasons, David Tennant, three seasons, Matt Smith. And we did notice a decline in storytelling halfway through the Matt Smith. So around season six, you know, we, the whole family noticed that the stories weren't quite as strong as they were before um got to the end of the matt smith season and jumped back to season one with christopher eccleson and all of a sudden we noticed the stories were amazing again right oh and sorry I, ju- I just i just heard what you said so you started with tenant you didn't start with eccleson right oh okay okay gotcha 
No, so we're watching this like a Time Lord and jumping around. And jumping around, yeah. And so I was really curious what happened with the storytelling. So I spent, you know, a couple hours just researching what was going on with the head writers and everything else. So with Russell T. Davies, who started, you know, mm-hmm. the reboot yep. of the series. Yep. And he was the head writer from season one to season four. Yeah. Which was interesting, which brings us right to the end of the David Tennant era. Um, and then when you have Stephen Moffat coming in from seasons five to ten. Moffat! <laughs> And it was interesting looking into the whole way, like the teamwork was in those first seasons, because with Russell T. Davies, you know, who was completely managing the whole thing. One thing he had said in one of the articles is that um, if he has to rewrite a script 100%, if he's not satisfied with it, he will do that. So if a script comes in, it's not up to par, he fixes it. But he said that with Stephen Moffat's scripts, I don't touch a word. Anybody else's, I do, right? So you have this power team of like a great head writer and a great writer, and the two of them together made this, you know, epic era of Doctor Who. But then it seems like once Stephen Moffat took over the head writing, his he started writing less and less scripts, and then there wasn't that same kind of quality control, and then it just kind of spiraled out to the point where we weren't as interested. Yeah, that yeah. is that is, I, well, you you figured it out. Yes, that is exactly what. That's happened. what I think. Yeah, and then one other thing was bringing in the female Doctor Who. One re one thing I don't understand why they didn't do was bring Jenny back as the female Doctor Who. Because um, Jenny is a uh, is a uh, Russell T Davies creation, and uh, they don't like like there's only like a very tiny handful of characters and we're talking extremely small we're talking two characters we got riverson and we got uh jack hartness those are the only characters that have been able to go across all of the doctor incarnations that we've met so far uh river hasn't been with the latest but they'll probably get around to that eventually um but the 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 fact that every other character the only crossover you had was rose between two doctors and uh then it was the pawns between two doctors no 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 wait sorry what am i thinking the pawns were introduced with a new doctor and then clara going into from from 11 to 12 so uh but other than that no we do jenny's character she also didn't want to do it either she the only Reason. She could have regenerated. Totally. You and could have I, brought in a different actor. I totally I agree with you. I totally agree with you, Michael. That is totally what they should have done or could have done. Who knows that they might not do that later on. But we do know that the reason why they didn't make it is because they didn't want to acknowledge the character from another head writer. That's basically basically it. So That's so sad. It is. Anyways, that's is. my Doctor Who rant. <laughs> um i i so so you're gonna go and then eccleson then you're gonna jump over to capaldi we'll see because again everybody started like, the whole family started losing interest the amount of shows we bailed on okay we would start to watch and one person would get up ah, i'm leaving i'm leaving i'm leaving next you know there's nobody on the couch it's like well, i guess we're done so gotcha. we'll see. Took we'll a see. while for me. 
Yeah. Capaldi took a while for you, really? It was it was a couple of episodes, maybe three or four episodes. I mean, granted, it's like the season is what, like ten episodes, twelve episodes. Yeah, <laughs> but his um, the 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 overarching thing that I noticed with Capaldi was basically everything happens because he was a bit he was a dick to someone. At least that's what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> and it, he's he he eventually warmed up. Uh, uh, for me, I, I I started liking him, his portrayal, uh, like as as it as it was going along. But uh, there there was a point where it, it I was just like, do I like this guy? I, I mean, I think it I think with most of the doctors, the replacement was always like they, oh, I'm not sure about this guy. Okay, I he's he's all right. Okay, this is really good. No, fuck, you can't leave. You can't leave. Yeah. Oh, no, it's who's this it's new true. guy? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So, so Clara, would you say his three seasons are worth binging on? Like it's worth sticking around for? I, you, you know what? I would give his his tenure of Capaldi as the Doctor. I would give him probably about an eighty percent okay. on like thumbs up. Um, the ones that seem to fall a little short do seem to be story wise. They do seem to be a little thing. Capaldi is always there, one hundred percent, all the time. Is there think, one episode that stands out as a great one? If you were to jump right to it, oh! If you were to jump right to it, uh, uh, like for one, us, we started with David Tennant with Blink, Weeping Angels. Oh, that was your first episode. Oh, that was dude, our first oh episode. okay, dude. When way, you set no, the bar that no, high, no, that is not a cool way to have that, done it. It was you great. Not, oh no, we got I, so hooked, dude. That is a fantastic. And the other. The other thing about this, it was a Moffat written episode. It was. It yeah. was uh, Moffat created the Weeping Angels, and the Weeping Angels, well, obviously, the enemies are going to go throughout all the doctors because you can't not say. And it was so is. great because yeah. the doctor was almost a secondary character in that one, it talking totally to you was. in DVDs. Oh, and that like, was... so you're jumping into the universe like that, where they're leaving strange messages on DVDs. Like, what is the show? Yeah. Oh no, that was that was a total that was a total amazingly done puzzle episode, and the fact that yes, it was it was it was also because of uh, shooting schedules that they knew they had to somehow make a David Tennant short episode. So uh, I can't remember the reason why, but it was some sort of punishment that it was up to Moffat to write this story, and the fact that it turned out as fabulous as it was. But it's amazing. I am sorry. You watching that as the first episode is not the way to have done that. Oh, we did that intentional. We were just like, what's the best episode? This one? All right, we're sold. Okay, all right. So I want the Peter Capaldi one. Like, what's the one like that? What's the equivalent Blink? Okay, there's there's no equivalent to Blink. I'm sorry. You you do not get that again. Oh, there, there was a line, uh, one of the one of the companions, uh, I think what said, said to the Capaldi doctor, and it was like, you've noticed something. You've got your noticing face on, and I just, I just, I, I just about died. It was like, it was like the line that made it for that episode for me. Yeah, off the, off, you know what? Off the top of my head, I can't think of one that stands out as there was one. Oh, there's one that they do a Groundhog Day sort of story, and okay. the Doctor has to keep going. He basically gets his his atoms get like like deter like like 
demolished and he gets restarted at the beginning of the episode and has to go through the whole entire thing. And it turns out he's there for like a thousand years doing this cycle. And he's trying to, it, it's, if you like that sort of storytelling, it's kind of neat how they deal with it in this. With the Sounds like the Enterprise with Fraser Crane. <laughs> exactly, exactly, yes, yes. But it, it's a little more intense because it's a single person. You don't have to deal with the whole entire cast doing this yeah. whole entire thing. But uh, that's a pretty good one. Um, uh, let's see here. Uh, well, the I, I really enjoyed the introduction episode of Capaldi because Capaldi, the nice thing about Capaldi's time as the Doctor is they bring in a lot of classic Doctor Who uh, storylines and stuff like that. The okay picking your face they mm. go back to the fact that capaldi had played a character in david tennant's time yeah. like and then he realizes at one point like wait i chose this man's face because i had met him before so which is going back to like tom baker time when yeah. romana decided to look like another actress that had already been on a series because her time lord like one woman was leaving the role and someone else was coming into the role. So she chose another actress that was already on the series sort of thing. So it turned out to be more lore. So you call him Baker, the exact same thing. Yes. Sorry. Right. Thank you, Adrian. Yes. Colin Baker. He looked, he's Colin Baker originally starred as a, it was a guest shot as a, um, um, a security officer on, Gallifrey. on Gallifrey. And when it came around to him Maybe being I the doctor, know. they chose his face. Yeah. So it was that sort of thing, which is kind of neat. And Capaldi goes into a lot of doing classic lore, bringing it back into the series. And there's a lot of mentions. And there is actually an episode where he crosses over, Capaldi crosses over with the original First Doctor. Nice. Kind of cool. There, there is, is a Capaldi episode that I, I, I remember, and I think it's one of the very first ones called uh, Into the Dialect, where the Doctor and Clara are basically inside a dialogue and you you you're you're seeing what he's he's trying to uh, he's, he's trying to piece together who he is after his initial re re regeneration and i i just remember just being absolutely spellbound by that episode it yeah. was just sort of a he's 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 just trying to find uh know find out who he is like am i a good man is was something he keeps saying throughout throughout the, the episode because uh david tennant was uh well Sorry, going back to Eccleston. Eccleston was like the 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 inquisitive, you know, it's it like something something brilliant and new. His his, his kind of uh, key phrase would be like fantastic. Um, David yeah. Tennant was always um, no, like you know, I, I won't stand for that. That's 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 terrible. And then Matt Smith was uh, what? <laughs> so 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 with with Peter Capaldi, um, he's he's there's a lot of silliness like some of the doctors had sort of, sort of ingrained in them and peter capaldi comes in basically being mr serious and basically it, it just it, it's a it's a neat ex exploration of like who he is so i would definitely recommend if you're going to start with a peter capaldi episode uh, into the dialogue is a good one all right we'll do that one interesting thing i found too is that uh christopher eccleson was supposed to return as the war doctor yeah in that crossover yeah. and the fact that he didn't want to come back so they got john hurt mm -hmm. but how, like how amazing would that be to get the you know the first doctor of the reboot back yeah. with the other two 
Yeah, for sure. Too bad we didn't get that. Even though the episode ended great. There were so many possibilities with all of the doctors. Because uh, I, do you, do you remember the, seeing like the old classic Doctor Who's with like you know Tom Baker, Colin Baker, and uh, like just everyone together, like the five Doctors episodes? And you're like, how is this happening? And it's happening because wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. <laughs> yeah. Because why not? But there was that the the closest that we got was basically the the two Doctors and the War Doctor. Uh, yeah. Uh, did, David Tennant and uh, sorry. Did you what? watch? Did you watch the fiftieth anniversary? The the David Tennant and Matt Smith episode. Yeah, yeah, that there yeah. that was that was the bit where they're sitting they're sitting down and they both like throw their legs up on the table and like perfect synchronization. Yeah, yeah, it, it was perfect. It was perfect. And did you see the Christmas special or not Christmas specials? The uh, children's special that they did with, um, which was David Tennant and the Fifth Doctor. Yes, yes. Uh, da- with, David uh, Peterson. Yeah, yeah. Peterson. Yeah. Yeah, who yeah, the is, fifth doctor, yeah. Who is, who is actually is a, which is kind of funny because the actress that plays Jenny's uh daughter and David Tennant is married to her as well. Right. So she so, literally is the doctor's daughter. She is and the doctor's she's married daughter. To the doctor. And she's married like, to the doctor. Talk about yeah. Timey wimey yeah. stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um yeah, so and and once you get past Capaldi. Do yourself a favor. Jodie Whittaker is a fresh of fresh air. She is so endearing as this character that, I mean, I have a feeling you won't mind with the the, the change of sex and all that sort of thing. Like qualities she, of early doctor, like of Tom Baker and Peter yeah. Jenkins and that sort of. Yeah, as long and as that, it's written well. Yeah, I heard no half her of that. her stuff is pretty good. She and it's also kind of neat because she's also given a big cast of supporting characters to run with. She runs with a crew. She runs not just a single person. She yeah, runs with a crew. That with all the promo stuff. And I did like that back in like the Tenant era where yeah, exactly when he had, where yeah. he pulls the whole crew together and next you know he's got an army of supporting cast. That was a That's fantastic that was a fantastic way to wrap up his storyline to bring all the characters back into one. Yeah. And I'm sorry Trevor would you like to say anything? No no I'm good I'm good. Okay all right. <laughs> All right, so I think we're going to move on from Doctor Who because that uh, that went on a little longer than I was expecting. That was fun. That was great. I like that. That was good. All right. Um, I believe, uh, Mr. Gavin, you have something to say. Yeah. Um, but I'm sorry, no. we've run out of time. So we're going to continue on. To... No, go All on, right. Gavin. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> go um, on, Gavin. What did you got? So I had seen the uh, seen the trade paperbacks like on at uh, chapters on the shelves and stuff like that. Uh, for the for the new Transformers series now. Uh, wait, wait, it... wait! When were you at a chapters? Oh, this was years back. Yeah, exactly. What had to. Anyways, <laughs> back when and, books uh, were important. So I, I picked it up, and I, I you know, I, I'm like kind of like, well, this is not the art's not too bad. I mean, uh, it was a Dreamwave, Dream, Dreamwave comics that did the first one, uh, the first uh, comic after the 1980 80, uh, 80 series. Uh, but anyway. Uh, the, the current stuff, like more than meets the eye and uh, the Lost Lights uh, uh, series, they've uh, they've they've really rekindled a lot of what made the Transformers characters so interesting. Because uh, a lot of times, like we get, we especially with the movies when they bog too much down with the human characters, it's like, oh, humans that they, they they're they're just ruining 
everything that makes the characters like interesting. Uh, so so uh, more than MCI series uh, basically takes place almost entirely on Cybertron, and then uh, when they when they finally land on Earth, it's still mostly the the, the Transformers characters. Uh, so this is uh, basically the character Whirl and the character uh, Trailbreaker or Trailblazer, one of the two that they've renamed them because of copyright crap and all that. But really, yeah, um, well, that's why Jazz is no longer called Jazz; he's Autobot Jazz in all the toys. Because they had to trademark that. Really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, well, there you go. trademarks, especially when you're selling toys. But this uh, this particular panel, this is what first. This is the first panel I saw of this entire series, and basically, it endured me to Whirl, who is basically a psychopath in in the, in the show in the in the whole comic. Okay. Uh, the it introduced the whole concept of uh, you know Transformers they don't actually have sexes they 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 just simply are whether they they you know they 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 get into relationship with other transformers male female doesn't matter it's, it's they're just asexual essentially uh it, but it also brings uh, it also brings some of the greatest character arcs i've ever seen uh megatron redeems himself up to the last the last bit that i've that i've read so Megatron becomes an Autobot leader leading in a, uh, like an expedition of Autobots. Oh, what? Yeah. Really? And my first thought on that was, what the fuck? How does that work? He's like a irredeemable tyrant, like bent on destroying the Autobots. But the entire story arc of where he goes makes him one of the most likable characters. He's just, he's just not a cookie cutter villain like he was in the, in the cartoon. Okay. What is it that made that happen? Like, yeah, that's what. Yeah, that's some what of the character he, arc. So he, so uh, Megatron essentially was uh, was trying to rebel against the corrupt system. So the 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 Autobot leaders uh, at at the time were were basically um, decadent. Uh, they they were they were basically exploiting uh, the what were essentially the Decepticons uh, as slave labor. So their, their rights were basically like slowly being chipped away more and more. And Megatron essentially was just a simple miner. And he, one day he basically said, enough. I, 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 we, we, we can't, we, 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 we cannot accept this anymore. And he wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me Megatron is Princess Leia? Kind of, yeah. Without the buns. Serious kick-ass bullet head though. Yeah, okay, go um, on. <laughs> so he... Um, he ends up meeting a, a young Optimus Prime, aka Orion Pax. And they they basically they talk and Orion Pax actually believe that they, you know, he, this this is something I, I can get behind. So like he, he believes in equality for all, you know, freedom is the right of all sentient beings, you know, is his usual trademark uh, phrase, right? And so Megatron goes goes about it uh, through warfare. Optimus Prime is trying to do it through you know, the, through the government trying to bring uh, uh, equality, but, you know, everything's working against him. And so it, it essentially it's all, uh, it, it, it's, there, there's just so many like little stories throughout the whole thing, but eventually it gets to the point where, you know, you, you see the classic Optimus Prime Megatron kind of standoff, one shall rise, one shall fall kind of thing. Uh, but he, Megatron eventually ends up turning himself in. Because he's so tired of the war, 
and as a as uh, almost a, as punishment, he's uh, he's basically given command of a, of an Autobot uh, Autobot expedition to find essentially the uh, the lost city Autobots. You know, like Metroplex was uh, was a city city Autobot. And they were sort of defend the kind of they essentially were like defenders of the galaxy, but no one had ever ha- has has heard of the heard from them for eons. So this uh, this ex- uh, expedition led by um, uh, Hot Rod. Who is as much? Uh, who is a much more likable Dick in 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 the comic? Uh, he he's basically put in command of this whole ragtag crew. And Megatron is what has to break break up like you know fights and all sorts of shit in in, in this. I I can I can link you some uh, some 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 uh, some of the issues. It's it's incredible. You're uh, you're muted, try. So what you're saying is this is not your grandfather's Transformers. No, absolutely not. Wow. Uh, here, okay, so here's another. And it kind of sucks that those Transformers are our Transformers as well. <laughs> so here, here, here's another arc that I did not see coming. Prowl kills Hook from the, of the Constructicons. Oh, kills him like like basically like he's dead, and the Constructicons essentially convince him to merge with, with with them to form devastator what yeah and my entire the, i'm sitting here looking at this going why is, does this work so well wow <laughs> and it's so like you think like there's why a story does devastator with, not have any upper body strength anymore <laughs> somehow he works with them i i i'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna give you guys a link uh when we're done here because this it is Okay. It is such a good series. All right. And the kicker is there's so many good story arcs in this. Uh, like the like Optimus Prime has gone through so many incarnations, which the toy makers have really gotten, uh, like the third party guys have really gotten on board with and made some of some of the some of the best looking versions of Optimus Prime I've seen in toy form. I did have to pick up the power baser, the you know, power master Optimus Prime third party. Uh yep. That's was, one where when I was a kid, I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then I saw the toys like, actually, it's not amazing. It's, you know, kind of half-assed and chunky and not really good. But then the third party one came out. I had to pick that up. I believe uh, two of us uh, saw a brand new, well, I guess a newish movie. I think it was released a week or two ago. Was it Trevor? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, I was, like, I was uh, aware of it about yeah yeah so yes end of april and that was um warner brothers animation brought us um the justice society world war ii which um could have been a live action movie it 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 could have been it it could have been it was the story was well written enough to be yeah um but yeah they would they would have screwed it up (laughs) (laughs) and it's not that long like it's it's less than an hour and a half yeah it's just under yeah it's like 125 minutes or something like that yeah yes but if if they they had done it as a live action it would have been like two and a half hours long and still crap and still missed most of the story and still been crap yeah um so it's uh basically according to imdb the justice society of america a group of heroes aiding the allies in world war ii acquire an ally from the future who sends them on an adventure that changes history well that's not really what happens but um we'll <laughs> not even close yeah 
Um, it's it, good. It's it's the the art style is really really cool. It's it's again, DC knows how to do their one off uh, animated movies beautifully. Uh, the style is different than anything else. Um, this is I take it is is this based on anything? I didn't see if it was based on anything um, or did they just make an original story with an idea that uses the characters. I, to me, it looks a lot like Darwin Cook's New Frontier. Like, if it it's does, not yes. based on that, it's at least inspired no, by that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It definitely has a New Frontier look to it. It's not as um, as stylized as the New Frontier, um, but it is kind of neat. And um, so, what it is is we're we're we start off with uh, Barry Allen and uh, his girlfriend Iris. Uh, we'll just go with Iris because I can't remember what her last name is off the top of my head right, no, right now. I don't remember her name. Yeah, no. Um, so they're uh, yes. having, they oh, are have, yes. <laughs> they are having a uh, date picnic in Metropolis. And uh, one of their things uh, that Barry keeps mentioning is that uh, I hope we uh, see Superman here today. And uh, so what happens is, um, Superman does show up because he's got to fight Brainiac, who is attacking uh, Metropolis. And Superman comes out to, to stop him. And uh, Flash decides to help out. And hijinks ensue. And in the course of actually um, trying to outrun a kryptonite bullet, um, Flash ends up uh, time traveling back in time, or at least what were we perceived to of time travel then. yeah and where we're yeah he, he kind of misses the mark on the time traveling as much as not only travels back in time but crosses dimensions as well yeah I hate it when that happens well it was oh, yeah God. the the use the 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 uh, the introduction of ah oh, gavin just dropped off a message <laughs> Um, the introduction of the uh, the kryptonite bullet in the the situation makes it go from just time travel to dimensional shifting and time travel, I guess. So he goes back in time to World War II, where the Nazis are uh, searching out uh, religious artifacts and alien artifacts as well, and. Uh, uh, Steve Trevor is uh, heading up a team of um, uh, what do they call them? They call them uh, superpowers, which are meta me, me, metahumans. Metahumans, thank you. Yes, um, I know. I know some of the DC terms. Yes, yeah. It's uh, just again, it was it was right in front of me, but I couldn't remember what it was. So there is a team of obviously Steve Trevor brings this to uh, what's his face the. Uh, um, uh, the president of the United States at the time is uh, Roosevelt. Roosevelt, thank you. Oh, ugh. Um, shame on you for not knowing your U.S. History. I know exactly. Yeah, Canadians. my U.S. History. Yeah, we suck. Um, so he's introduced to a team uh, headed by uh, Wonder Woman and um, uh, Black Canary, Hawkman, Hawkman. Uh, the original uh, 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 Jay Garrick. Jay Garrick. As the Flash and yeah. our, our, our our man, our, our man. man, our man, yes, not your man, our man, our man, yes, <laughs> not their man, our man. No relation to Calendar Man, I assume. No, yeah. no, no. Um. So again, in the uh, also in the story, we're introduced to uh, Doctor Fate, 
who I think is the main reason to pull the Flash out of his time, out of his dimension into the other one, because as he's going through the time vortex, he follows his voice through, I don't know, it's, but other than that, <laughs> other than the crappy way that I'm describing it, it is a very well done, it's really cool animation, um, it's, it's nice to see a different era, uh, different voice actors doing all the, all the characters and all that. So not your typical, um, your uh, voice actors that you usually hear for these characters, which is kind of neat. And again, it's something that DC does every once in a while. You change up the style, you change up the uh, the voice actors and all that. I mean, uh, this particular one, the animation I think is pretty strong for, I mean, what it is, it's, it's a direct to home video, whatever, digital release of the series but it's beautifully done um it has a bit of a um some of the character designs especially for like the nazis has a bit of a um venture brothers sort of look to it mm -hmm. like some of the character designs look like some of like um the henchmen that you see throughout that series and all that and uh, but the animation is pretty strong, um, especially coming off of Invincibles. Hey, we got to save time and money. Let's do a still image and just zoom in, zoom out and all that. Um, but again, I found it quite entertaining. It was really good. And but um, so, yeah, so uh, they end up defeating Nazis. And he ends up getting back to his own time and dimension. And then at the end of it, him and uh, Superman decide, hey, let's make a Justice League sort of thing and all that, which is kind of neat. Because apparently at this time in in Barry's timeline that uh, superheroes still work apart. So they haven't quite decided to come together and work as a team sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so for, again, like I keep saying, uh, DC, well, I, I know it's DC, but it's Warner Brothers Animation that knows how to do animation for their... Uh, for their DC property, it's it's you, I've I've rarely seen any sort of thing that I haven't been disappointed in. At the very least, the look, um, the uh, the last one, the uh, the Batman and the Dragon. No, Batman. Soul of the Dragon. Soul of the Dragon was. That one was I found it, that one disappointing. It, I was I was a little disappointed in it myself, but. When it comes to like the, the design and the and the look of it, it looked very seventies kung fu ish, which was kind of neat. It, it, honestly, it, of all the like like Justice or, or DC animated ones, um, ones that, that really stuck out there was uh, Justice League New Frontier, mm -hmm. which kind of rolled everything back to yeah. like how Superman got together and there dealing with like you know monsters from from a different dimension and the center and stuff it was such a big step away from the television style that they had developed and kind of rolled into the movies like public enemy and stuff like that it was very much like they were taking the designs from the tv show um new frontier they were just like ah, completely new design all new voices and i think that set the stage for them to say every time that we do a completely new design of both animation or style we can change up the voices and it it still works it still works really well did you guys watch all-star superman yes yes that was one i watched with the kids and everybody loved that one like compared to the live action superman to the animated superman 
Yeah. And I guess the comic book was a great series, but mm-hmm. they were able to capture all of that in the animation as well. And we had a lot of fun with that series. I think that's probably the last, uh, you know, Warner DC animation we watched with the kids. Oh, really? That was quite a while ago. It was quite yeah, a while was... ago, yeah. Yeah. But again, uh, also it had a very strong comic book to be technically drawn from. I mean, it, the, the yeah. source material was there and they did a great job of relying three different stories from this this run of the series. And like you said, the New Frontiers was based on a graphic novel. It's... Yeah, um, I, I what did you what did you guys think of the uh, Dark Knight, the two partner the Dark Knight, uh, oh, the, uh, uh, the Dark Knight by Peter Weller. Oh, wait, was it? Are yes, we talking? I yeah, think you're right. Yes, yeah, the Dark Knight Returns. You know what? Yeah. Because we all have the internet in front of us. Yeah, it was very. Uh... It it was very anime style, uh, a, a very anime style look to it. I think, if I recall, it's been a while. I have both of them, but <laughs> I haven't watched them for a while. Uh, I didn't watch that one. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was Peter Weller as Batman. Yes. Yeah. Once once again, I, this this is my only gripe with. Uh, with DC animated stuff is they uh, every time you start thinking I like this guy as the voice like they had Nathan Fillion as uh, as Green Lantern I think at one point didn't they mm-hmm. and it was like yeah this is I can I can work with this and then the the very next movie wait who's wait where's Nathan Fillion where the voices just changed so much yeah. uh, Peter Weller took me a little while to get used to it I think but uh, I, it started growing on me a little bit. Just felt like uh, you know it, it was it was a good voice for that older, grizzled uh, you know Batman that it's he's supposed to be. Yeah, and they they were really they were really loyal to the original story as well. Yeah. Um, when you get into something like the Killing Joke, while the stuff that they pulled from the comic was really good, I don't think the added stuff was really. No, that was, I, I, that was kind of pat, fell apart. Yeah, to pad it with the Batman Batgirl relationship was, I think, a little too. I, yeah. I, it was unnecessary. I think struck yeah. me as a little incestual. Now, yeah. I don't know if you guys saw Superman Red Sun. Yes, um, that to me was a, a really, really well done one, and again, mm-hmm. completely changed up all the voice yep. voice actors. Yeah, but it worked so well. Yeah. Again, again, like on like the MCU, if you're going to be watching an animated DC movie, you're guaranteed to be watching something that is well done, well executed, and entertaining. Which is the sad part is, is they make so they're, they're so, they basically they're so dismal in their their gross profits that you know yeah. that's why you know Warner Brothers is in essence pulling the in going to be pulling the plug on the whole project with the whole dc animated universe is is done pretty much oh seriously oh that's gonna be a big loss well i mean they're i'm just looking at right now every if you add all the movies they've done and they've done a lot um going all the way back to 2007 all the films are only averaging about five million each and it's costing a lot more to make those films but they're not theatrically released though they're that's all 
They're all direct to video, home video. Direct to video, but I mean, the one that uh, made them the most so far was like one of the first ones, and that was Superman Doomsday, and then Superman Batman Public Enemies. Like those are the only ones that really cracked the ten million dollars. Um, so even like on video, they're not making hordes of money. Soul the Dragon um, didn't even crack a hundred thousand dollars. Ooh, that's most yeah. unfortunate. Oh, well. um, if they want to make money, they got to hand the keys over to the live action cinematic universe and you know, do some storytelling like that with live action in cinemas, and yeah, then yeah. they'll make some money. Oh, they'll they'll make serious money, but I doubt it's ever going to happen because for some reason, Warner because Brothers, reasons, they're like, well, let's unless it's a big name director, we're not going to do it. Unless it's a big name writer, we're not going to do it. And it's like, come on, you've got this, this giant pool of talent. You're just letting fall by the wayside somebody should uh leave a little post-it note outside disney's door what's that an opportunity to buy dc yeah so could do worse but on the what your mickey mouse impression (laughs) (laughs) i knew who it was i thought it was great gavin Thank no, you, Mike. Don't no, don't get me wrong, Gavin. That was that was hilarious. I wasn't expecting someone to be doing a Mickey Mouse impression. I just I'm sorry. I that was that was actually wrong. That was Mickey Mouse? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't quit your day job. Fuck you guys, I'm going home. Or you home. I got that too. All right, so I guess we can move on to. Um, I believe we all watched the uh, at least the very first episode of the Bad Batch, the uh, hour-long yes, first episode, which was kind of cool. Admittedly, um, I skipped about twenty minutes in the middle. Oh, you did. Well, I mean, I I, I thought it could have been a forty-minute episode. Oh no, yeah, I totally I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah, I, I agree. It it got a little long in places. It could have used with a little bit of trimming, but it was fun. Yeah, definitely. I love, I love how it actually started off like a Clone Wars episode with the announcer doing the uh, newsreel opening, which I was like, "Oh my god, this is! Oh my god, this series is going to be!" But then, obviously, as we have, we find out right at the very beginning. Oh, execute order sixty six. All right, we're going to go from here, eh? Right there. <laughs> Might as well. That first episode, it did look like it did seem like it was more than likely two episodes that they put together to make one and that's why it's sort of dragged in the middle sort of thing because to stretch out between no, I'm going to jump in here a little bit I did not I mean I, I, I caught the reference right away at the start when you know Order 66 comes and they, they're, they're tracking the, the Jedi and the Padawan and Excellent. especially when they said the Padawan's name I was like oh you yes, know, the yeah. Caleb Doom, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's that's Kanan from yeah. Rebels." From Rebels, but then I was like, "That kid is painfully white, like painfully well, white, like, <laughs> like whiter than, than than white toast." But no, then I know, yeah. You look at, and I think this is like after I watched the Bad Batch, you know, the, down here, um, the Cartoon Network is now playing like Rebels, like four hours of Rebels every day, and it was like, mm, "Here's here's here's Kanan," and and. He, he's not pale. He's not pale at all. 
He's definitely he's definitely spent a lot of time on a desert planet for most of his life, sort of thing. More than just just to spend. I mean, he, I he he looks like he could perhaps be a little Middle Eastern in in some ways, um, and it was just like, hmm. Did did no one run this by Filoni, or did Filoni forget that you know Kanan is much much darker skinned than like maybe when he hit puberty. He, he, change nationalities um these things can happen i guess it was just one of those you're so getting canceled trevor i know (laughs) it was just it was just one of those things of like you know it was probably done in post they were like oh let's make him this guy and then and then we can tie it all together but well it is it is dave it is definitely um it is uh, dave filoni no 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 i meant uh freddie prince jr freddie prince jr was doing the voice of the kid yeah version of his character and there was but, no doubt that it was him doing that voice. yeah but it, it was just like <laughs> did you not watch the, the the show that preceded this like this maybe he went into hiding i mean i that's one of the things i thought is maybe he went to hiding and, and had some like cosmetic surgery done or something to help disguise it himself but well, he changes his name he completely changes his name Ooh, and his identity so phew, threw him right off the trail there <laughs> well, we're looking for a guy named caleb Oh, your name's Keenan? Oh, I'll give him a, I'm sorry, we wrong guy. We'll, we'll we'll go check over here now. See, I didn't watch the Clone Wars, so when that character showed up, I was like, I hope he becomes part of the Bad Batch. I wanted that so badly, and then I heard his existing character. It's like, well, maybe he still will. I hope so. Yeah, I mean, what did that, you guys? Go ahead. Uh, what did you guys think of all the main characters? Because I thought they were pretty good. It was kind of like you got Rambo, you know, in charge. Yeah. yeah. You got Lobot. That's uh-huh. cool. You know, you got Drax, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Right? You got uh, the little girl from the Ewok Adventures. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I, I like the diversity of the Bad Batch in terms of each character. Mm-hmm. I like the fact they talk about part of the reason why these guys, you know, the, the, the deviation in, in the genome on all of them is because they were trying to specialize them for the different roles. You know, someone who's more technically minded, someone who's more of a sniper. And yeah. that only not only affected their skill set but affected them physically yeah um and i think that was a nice touch and they were you know experimental batch 99 you know is it a success is it not a success they're still you know the 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 cloners are still on the fence and whether it's a a success or not um i like that aspect of it yeah i thought it was fun characters yeah yeah for sure for sure i mean i watched i watched the bad batch when they originated on the clone wars and from that moment on i'm like ooh, hunter as a cosplay looks kind of cool i might actually get myself a set of armor or build myself so all those guys existed in clone wars i didn't know that there yeah, there was yeah. a i think a three or four episode arc where it was those five characters no those four characters going to find the the one that you called lobot uh yeah. the one with the missing hand and all that he yeah. is a He's a clone that went missing back in like season three or four and they found him and brought his character back into the storyline. And because of what happened to him in his storyline to get him back from where he was, they had to remove the, they figured out about the chip and it shorted out the chip in his head. So that's why he didn't turn to order 66 as well. So he's one of the bad batch sort of thing. So it's just, yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's, yeah, the pre-existing, it's a, I think it's a four, four episode arc. 
it's got to be something like that. It's it's something yeah that stands out. Disney Plus. So yeah, it's be, on Disney Plus. Yeah, could be able to watch that. I I gotta say, I I I as, as soon as I saw uh, uh, Sniper Starscream, I, I I knew he was gonna. I knew where he was go- he was going to be at the end of the episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. He, but, he was a cool. He was cool, a, a cool character. But I was just like, ah, oh, again with the orders. <laughs> but again, for a first episode, I mean, going into this, I myself, I was going to enjoy it no matter what because I I enjoyed the Clone Wars straight through uh, the however many seven seven or eight seasons that they had. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm such a big fan. I can't remember how many episodes there were, <laughs> but um, including the uh, the, the Gendi uh, Tarkovsky. Uh... Again, yes, that. But unfortunately, that's no. That was longer, a fun series. Yeah, but that's unfortunately no longer canon to the series, as it has uh, been allocated to the uh, Legend Star Wars Legends sequence on Disney Plus. Mm, but again, okay. it's that was a fantastic. That was a beautiful series that and the, the I like episodes. the fact that in this episode it was some, a simple throwaway dialogue sequence that explains 100% why storm, modern stormtroopers during like the Luke Skywalker days are not clones yeah cost mm. simple yeah. matter of he's like you know yeah they're, they're better skilled but we can recruit cheaper at half yes exactly yeah, yeah. it costs too much yeah it costs too much throwaway, to yeah, just a simple little throwaway back and forth. Yeah. And it explained everything, like right up into the Force Awakens of, you know, why Finn isn't a clone. Because yep. they're just recruiting them because it's cheaper. And I mean, any government, if you, you had a choice between choice A, it's expensive but good, or choice B, it's cheap. They're always going to go with cheap. Always. Exactly. Yes. And um, uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Again, Seeing Tarkin, they can they can afford building Death Stars, but they can't afford the clones. That's just it. They had the same. Oh, that's Death Stars. Yeah. That's where they got the investment money from. Exactly. Yeah, you stop doing your clone. You know how much uh, free capital you have after that? Yeah, we don't. You have enough to build clones? three Death Stars. Start build. That's how they build Star Killer Base. Exactly. <laughs> just, you know, and not even recruit anymore. We're just kidnapping small children. And training them to be so now we can afford to buy, buy that's a much plan. more cost effective. Plus, you know, it's all the savings on gruel. Exactly. Pass oh, hey, it worked for the it worked for the Jedi. It worked for the Jedi, right? Exactly. Get them while they're young, raise them to our our rules, and uh, everything should work out fine in the end, right? Exactly. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? The yeah. younglings. The younglings. Uh, Palpatine won in the end. Yeah. And right. then Grand Daughter's the last Jedi. Yes. Palpatine wins. Palpatine wins, exactly. Good. Good. But um, yeah, so looking forward to uh seeing the rest of this series uh run out, which is kind of neat. Um uh again, I I myself have watched the second season, uh, second episode, and um it's it's kind of cool. It's it it cuts back to a 27-minute episode with five minutes of credits because of not only does the episode have credits, but because of Disney plus likes to say, Hey, these are all the voice actors from the different languages, which I think is a fantastic thing to have done. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, yeah, I'm just seeing here. They're sh- saying that the running time of the episodes will run between 31 minutes and 70 minutes. 
That's probably the first episode. Yeah, that first episode was like 70. Maybe minutes. the last episode too. Like if they're yeah. if it's if it would normally be split up into like a three-part like finale kind of thing or two-part or something like that. Right. Now, if you look at the uh the, the voice the, the list of voice talent um like they got Ian McDermott to be Emperor Palpatine. So, you know, they're they're willing to put up some cash to get some some of the voices back. Oh, yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, I don't think you're going to, I highly doubt you're going to have anybody else show up other than Palpatine. You, you'll you probably have a, oh, I don't know if you'd have a Vader. I don't know. The only thing I, I did notice is they didn't get uh, Force Whitaker for Saw Gerrera. No, they did not, no, because it was, well, I was, it was like, the thing is, I'm like, but that's not Forrest Whitaker's voice. Well, no, we we got we got we got Forrest Whitaker as Salgarara in Rebels, which is like 15 years later, right? Yeah, but they still could have got him for this one. You know, it's it, the voices well, don't no, change that much. No, because the Salgarara that was in the Clone Wars is who did the voice of this Salgarara, so they're keeping it with the Clone Wars voicing. So that's who returned to do Salgarara. They still should have got them. <laughs> it's Disney. They've got the cash for it. Come on. I know they do. All right. So um, the other thing that is something that we mentioned uh, the other uh, last week was uh, the uh, Jupiter's Legacy dropped on Netflix. All episodes dropped all at once because it's Netflix. Um, now, I myself did not watch any of it. And I believe Michael also didn't get around to it because... He uh, has too many kids and can't afford it. I'm waiting for Cobra Kai season four before I go back <laughs> to, to Netflix. Oh, that's right. That's you, 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 right. You, right. You got rid of Netflix because they just, Cobra they just announced they wrapped season four uh, with a really nice photo on on Instagram. So I'm waiting for it. Well, as soon as you get a trailer, it'll be on in two weeks. So yeah. Um, but apparently, according to uh, Gavin and Trevor, thumbs up. Watch the first episode. Yeah, uh, if some the other thing is the effects are very um, Netflix TV. Uh, really? Yeah, they they. I mean, the effects are there, not the greatest. Oh, not, they're 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 not like Captain Power and the ma- the Masters of the Universe type, but they're not much better. They're there. <laughs> they're they're okay. That would, so be, I, that would be something defenders. That, that would be defenders of the earth, Gavin. Yeah, it, Captain Power and the defenders of the earth. Oh, right. yeah, I, yeah. I never had any of them actually. Um, so yeah, the effects aren't anything to write home about. For the most part, I just overlook them because the story is a little bit more compelling. But yeah, That's do you guys read the comic books at all? I, I I have not. I read some of them, but I didn't. I wasn't able to to keep up with it just because the it was kind of spotty down here in terms of availability. Against this is Miller, right? The kick-ass. Yes. And, Mark, Mark uh, Miller, right? Mark yeah. Miller, yeah. Okay. The Millerverse. It's, uh, it, it, suffice it to say, it, it seems to me that everyone going from the, uh, you know, basically the, the, the greatest superheroes that have ever existed to the, you know, the, the, the low, worst people ever have daddy issues. That's basically it. <laughs> well, part of that is, I mean, daddy issues when your dad's you know, like the superhero, any kids are going to have daddy issues because that's a giant shadow to try to come out from behind 
and an enormous set of boots to try to fill. So, I mean, it's, that's it's, what it's, happens it's, with the Boruto series. Going back to Naruto, callback. Um, same kind of thing, right? Where you have the yeah, the greatest, most powerful father in the world, and then you want to tell the story of the child. Of course, it's going to be something like that. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have the the daddy issues. You have the kid who's trying to get daddy's approval and the other kids like, yeah, screw this. I'll do my own thing and be daddy's disappointment. So, I mean, that was, that was going to be a given. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's in the, the comic book itself. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was kind of like, let's, I, I kind of wanted to see how they, t- they, they handle it. And in the first episode, maybe this, this by the second episode, they handle it beautifully. Like, it's it doesn't feel like they're just trying to shoehorn it in. It's like this is an integral part of the story, and it, they 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 integrate it very well. I, I gotta say the one of the things that grabbed me really well, um, Josh uh, Drumal, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, he they they showed him sort of at his regular age, like his 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 actor age, like at the, at the very beginning of episode one, and then fast forward and in, in you know when the kids are grown up and now he's uh it, now he's a lot older and yeah, as I, I was years. yeah and i'm trying to go or more wait a second is that josh Duvall under makeup mm-hmm. they they do wow. a really good job of using the age makeup and they, as you get into the later episodes there's a lot of jumping back and forth in terms of the timeline to help kind of explain why the characters are the way they are and they again done really well I, I was I okay, was so impressed though, like I I, to, I was honestly part? convinced for 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 at least you know five ten minutes. Are we sure they didn't get us another actor to play him? No, yeah, it's, it's okay, all it's yeah, all practical like, effects. Okay, that's yeah. great to hear because I like I said, seeing the original trailer, it, it looked like some of the the old age makeup. But you guys are saying that it actually is pulled off pretty well. Yeah, it is. It is. It you, okay, looks good. Great. All right. Well, it's it's some of it is old age makeup in terms of you know how would Superman age over you know uh, what 80, 60, 70, 80 years? Not I mean he was not going to age faster or anything like that or or so he ages a little slower. So they still have a little bit of their youth to them, but you can definitely see you know um, okay. and it's not just just age but also old injuries are very evident. Mm-hmm. I saw I saw I saw that when he was. Uh... Uh, he 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 had uh, just come out of the shower or something like that. So two questions for you guys. First of all, is it family friendly? Is this something that you'd be able to watch with the kids? Mm. No, no, no. You'd want the kids to be at least fifteen, maybe. Let, let's just say, it, in terms of um, violence factor, it veered into invincible invincible uh, territory. Not really that deep towards the, the end. It, not not really. It's not as deep as you know, as violent as, as invincible. Oh, okay. He, there wasn't spines being pulled out. No. Yeah. But the, the, the So you would the, show your nine-year-old son. Yeah, this is not a show you'd want to show your nine-year-old. Um, because I mean a lot of the themes, like you know, you have suicide, a lot of drug use, stuff like that. So you stuff you may want to you know keep from the kids for a little bit. Parental guidance suggested. And is it worth a Netflix membership to watch the series? Like if you Got Netflix well, for a, a month. Good, that's just that's to watch actually, that. That's a good point there, Michael. Yeah. Is it? Um, if you're a fan of the superhero genre, and especially if you're a fan of seeing the the human side of the superhero, 
you know, what they do when the tights aren't on sort of thing, like how they're dealing with their daily life and especially dealing with the family, then yeah, yeah, this is definitely worth at least a month, you know, temporary subscription, binge it and get out. Or wait till Cobra Kai comes out. Yeah. And then, and then combine, combine your watching. Binge all of it. Now on a side note, um, something, you know, for the kids on Netflix is, is it the Millers versus the Mechanicals? I saw that. I saw. I heard some good things about that. Um, What is it? So, so it's a a, a animated film um, by Netflix. It is a. It's hilarious because it's Mm. about a family who you know. It's like the Great Robot Uprising, and it's just this one dysfunctional family that just happens to be overlooked initially, and them fighting back. And it's, it's, I mean, I played it for the kids tonight because we have uh, one of my nephews is sleeping over because his sister's going to gymnastics meet tomorrow. And the kids watched it and they couldn't stop laughing. Um, so, that, you know, it's, it's funny. It's a great story, really stylistic animation that works on so many levels. Um, yeah, I was like, you know, for kids, this is definitely a movie they'd probably want to see. Okay. And, but that, now did you enjoy it? Oh yeah. I, I had a great okay. time. I was, la- I was laughing right along with them. And just like, yeah, it was the, yeah, the Mitchells versus the machines. Um, just some of the, like the, like the, the stuff the daughter goes through. Cause she's just, she's like the, the, the typical teenager that's kind of constantly rolling her eyes about how bad her parents are or the stuff their parents say. And then when you have this, you know, apocalyptic robot uprising and just how she's reacting to it. It's just, I just kept glancing over at my daughter and thinking, this might be her in a couple of years. <laughs> Actually, I now, do remember seeing this trailer before. Yeah, I was just, I'm just looking at a couple of the images and all that. It looks very um, uh, Big Hero 6. Yeah, yeah. It has a lot of mm. Big Hero 6 kind of style cues. Okay. Um, but it is, as I said, it's very funny. Um, and definitely worthwhile. And the thing is, it's a, it's a movie I think most kids are going to enjoy. If, if your kids like Big Hero 6 anyway, you're, they're going to love this film. Okay, okay, cool. All right, because yeah, I, I saw a bunch of people online talking about it, and even a couple of people on that I don't realize that were into this sort of thing were actually watching it, so. Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, that's cool, it's, okay. It's a movie that I'm, I'm going to admit probably sometime this week, I'm going to watch it here in my office. Um, without the kids because sometimes i miss some of the dialogue because they were laughing so hard okay and i was like i was i didn't want to say shut up kids i gotta rewind it how to figure out what was being said or i didn't want to put on closed captions but yeah they were it, it was a lot of laughter so all right to me okay, that was a good, good endorsement. nice very nice oh it's almost two hours long too yeah yeah that's oh. the other thing is it's not like a quick little 80 minute we're done it's it's like just shy of two hours long so it kept the kids going for quite a while oh nice. danny Brilliant. mcbride danny mcbride is the yeah. father and the dog the pug every scene he's in steals it every so. scene okay whoever right. got to animate that or whoever got to write about the pug and whoever got to animate the pug probably skipped to work every day going Woo-hoo, <laughs> new day <laughs> All right. Okay. That sounds good. I definitely definitely a a vote of confidence. Yeah, no, for sure. Do we know who, which animation company worked on it or 
all I can see, all I'm seeing here in my quick little search here is it's just Netflix. Columbia Pictures, Sony. I think this might have been Sony Pictures. Oh yeah. Okay. One. Oh, so if yeah, if it's Sony, you got like the same people that worked on freaking yeah, so, into the Spider Verse and all that. Yeah. So it's Sony, uh, one cool film, and Lord Miller. Oh, Lord Miller. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. That's why it's why it's so well written too um yeah this is a it was a joint production u.s and hong kong okay okay cool 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 all right so, that explains that then so, right. yeah so if you're if you're on the fence about you know getting netflix temporarily for for uh jupiter's legacy there you can sprinkle a little <laughs> yeah excellent all right then, cool. i mean well a friend of mine has, has been he just signed up for netflix on this this past friday and he was like i've got 30 days what do we need to, what do i need to watch I'm like the witcher uh and i was just starting to list off the, just and he's like so don't sleep for 30 days i'm like pretty much don't know that's that's actually second season should be coming out soon shouldn't it yeah they I, just recently wrap it or they, yeah they just wrapped second season so that's probably coming out pretty soon yeah because I'm pretty sure I, they don't want to sleep on that. Because yeah, I, I enjoyed the first season of The Witcher. I enjoyed yeah. the game. I did as well. I, I'd, lo- I'd love the books. The books are great. I I had to watch The Watcher on my own because uh, one of the family members watched it all in one sitting. Then he told his mom about it, who sat down for like two or three days and watched the whole entire series with our at the time four-year-old daughter watching it as well <laughs> so i had to uh i wasn't going to jump in in like the third or fourth episode when i realized that's where they were so i had to go back and watch it myself and like yeah i was very i i shouldn't say i was surprised at it because i heard so much mm-hmm. out of it and all that but uh, yeah definitely looking forward to a second season for that but uh definitely the mitchells versus the machines for sure gonna check that out to, to see what uh what yeah, all the hubbub's about? I think you. I. I. I think. Yeah, I think your kid will love that. Okay. Cool. Cool. Definitely. All right. So I guess we're going to move on to our uh, final segment of the evening of the episode. I guess, and uh, we're going to do another one of our movie showdowns. Now dun, for dun. the dun 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 for Round the uninitiated. For the uninitiated, we're going to uh, boxofficemojo.com which uh, lists all the movies uh, by uh, whatever sort of category you want box office wise. Uh, What we are doing is we are doing the uh, gross total of uh, all time box office for the movies. And we're doing it in a uh, basically a tiered sort of matchup. Uh, Last week we did uh, round one, which was the Avengers Endgame versus Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, the clear winner out of that one was uh, definitely the Avengers Endgame. Fatality. So this week we are going up the uh, second place movie, which actually in the list is actually fifth on the list of uh, top grosser movies, is uh, 2018's Avengers Infinity War, which um, its total worldwide gross was $2 billion, uh, $48 $359,754. And it is going up against the 15th position, which on the 
poll list is actually at the 67th position, and that is uh, 2017's Spider-Man Homecoming, which made uh, $888 million, $166,924, which I actually just said that incorrectly, but you guys will get it. Um, what were the cents, man? How, how many cents? How many cents? Uh, we don't have the cents and all that. Uh, 32. Let's say 32. Both of them, oddly enough, both 32 cents on their final numbers and all that. So to begin with, we are going to start off with the biggie. And you know what? We're going to do this in reverse order. We'll do this, the, the lesser movie first. Which would be the lesser movie though, Troy? We are going to go with the one that made the least money. Um, and again, we are doing uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which like I said, was released in uh, 2017, it is directed by John Watts. And um, it stars our uh, pretty much, I think everyone's general favorite, uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which is uh, Mr. Tom Holland. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he's just, he, he's just like the most likable version of, Peter Parker and Spider-Man together. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Tobey Maguire, great Peter Parker. Spider-Man, yeah, they wasn't quippy enough. Didn't feel wasn't he wasn't as snappy. You know, as uh, the the best line from him was, uh, "Did your mommy make those?" Uh, and then you got Andrew Garfield, great Spider-Man, kind of snappy. Peter Parker, totally, just, yeah, totally not a Peter Parker. That was totally not a Peter Parker. That he but Tom Parker. Holland pulled off the 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 bifecta i guess it's not even a word but basically he pulled off the duo he yes. pulled off the, the both sides he pulled off the superman clark kent yeah yeah and delightfully the, awkward one of the things i didn't like originally in the movie was the fact he had the stark tech suit but with that artificial intelligence what did he call that i forget karen. the name. karen oh, yes karen. yeah karen oh yeah karen so for that one the fact that it gave him someone to talk to through the whole movie. So you finally got the Spider-Man word bubbles and it actually made sense in context. Why he was talking to us. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. I'm willing to overlook all the Stark tech, high tech suit stuff just because it gives him a reason to babble on and on and on through the whole movie. I thought that was brilliant. Fun fact. Like which fact is, that... oh, go ahead. Okay, the fun fact, uh, bringing Karen is voiced by Jennifer Connelly, who is in real life, married to Paul Bettany, who is Jarvis. So mm. I like the fact that even though he had the Star Trek suit, didn't know how to use it. And sometimes he was even fighting the suit to to do what he wanted to do. And I like that whole scene where he's trying to listen in and he's firing off like the taser webs. He's like, taser webs, what the hell? Are that was a great sequence because it just shows that, you know, when he sees like there's 571 different variations of webbing, yeah. it's like you know, Stark went a little overboard. Yeah, it's, it's very Spider-Man, right? Like that's such a Spider-Man thing to do is you get oh, all this sure. tech suit and you're just constantly screwing it up and getting confused by it. And it's actually setting you back a little bit. And, and the that fact that he's locked out and in the fact that he's, yeah, exactly. He's got the training wheels on. He's locked out of so much of the suit and all that. Um, and the other nice thing about this movie is we are given probably one of the, one of the greatest single character on single character bad guys as Michael Keaton playing the vulture in this. Mm -hmm. um, while we are introduced to a couple of other uh, 
notable Spider-Man bad guys. Um, Michael Keaton's portrayal of this version of the Vulture works beautifully in this movie. And that's one thing that worried me at the beginning is because in Civil War, Spider-Man is fighting a Birdman, right? When he's fighting the Falcon. Yes. It's like, yeah. now his first villain's going to be another Birdman? How are you going to do this? And then they gave us the Vulture. It's like, okay, that's how you do it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that uh, I, I totally understand what you're saying there. And like, what? He already went up against a guy with wings. I like the fact that the Vulture steered away from him not fighting someone with the exact same power set. Yes. Um, yeah. Which is, I'm so sick of that. Um, but the thing is, is also the the um, the reason why Vulture was doing, you know, committing the crimes he was. It wasn't like I'm getting revenge against Roxxon Oil or I'm do. He was, you know, he had a family. He was he needed to support. He had a crew of guys. He was trying to make sure that they had money to take home to their families. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and he made him a a logical like. At the beginning, he was a logical reason for him to be doing what he was doing. It was it he got screwed sense. out of his contract. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. By Tony Stark. By people. Tony Stark. Exactly. And yeah. damage like control was one of my and then gets paid to fix it. Damage control was one of my favorite comics growing up, and the yeah, fact absolutely. that it appeared in the cinematic universe movie. Yeah. That was that was a that was a definitely like sitting in the yeah, seat, so like, like damage what? control. What? I just remember the damage control comic when Thor's like holding up the bridge while they, they fix it. And then the one guy just hands him like a thing of Ben Gay and says, I don't need these this earthly moment. He's like, man, you've been hold, you've been holding that bridge for three hours. Anyone's gonna need some some sort of muscle, you know, some, some muscle cream, take it. And Thor took it. And yeah. that to me set the tone of damage control from that on. Like, sure you're a hero, but you know. If you're going to help us rebuild this stuff or fix the stuff or hold it while we fix it. Yeah. How does that not get a Disney Plus series? Yeah. Damage control should definitely be to Disney Plus. Oh, for yeah. sure. And especially if you said it like earlier in the um, the MCU, you can do like a lot of crossover stuff for stuff that every single movie out. you can show yeah. the after Just have them like, totally. you know, like, like one or two episodes dealing with the aftermath in New York. You know, picking up you know, cleaning up the 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 airport in germany after yes. the, the big civil war fight yeah and of course one of the unsung heroes of the entire uh, the entire movie the fact that we did not have to see uncle ben die yet again you <laughs> already know yeah yeah um yeah it's it's so there's there was a lot of really good moments in homecoming that i liked um and again biggest thing was the fact that vulture was not just a spider-man <laughs> you know power set that spider-man had to fight again um exactly yeah it was to me it was a great a great way of you know they introduced the character in, in civil war but this was a, his great launching solo movie mm -hmm. but it wasn't truly solo because you had you know iron man showing up and helping exactly out. yeah again like like we have also, we have Happy Hogan showing up. Pepper Potts has a cameo in and all that. Um, mm -hmm. But the the new cast members, such as uh, Zendaya as um, Mary Jane, which yeah. obviously we don't find out that she goes by MJ until the end of the movie sort of thing. Uh, and then we got um, uh, Jacob uh, Battalion as uh, Ned, who yeah. is a, a, like a shocking like he was such so an entertaining yes yeah, such an entertaining character and to be his like guy in the chair 
which is which, yeah. Fun fact: uh, that scene where he drops the giant Death Star Lego model, they they did like seven or eight takes of that. Really, so some poor schmo <laughs> had to build the thing. damn thing again. I like wow. Flash Thompson. Yes, he, likes Flash it. he wasn't the big, you know, muscle bound geek. I did not geek. like him as Flash Thompson. I thought he was a great character, but I wanted to see because the thing with Flash Thompson is he should look like Captain America. Like, I, in my opinion, that's part of the character is that he's the big guy and Peter Parker is the well, little he's, guy. He's the popular jock around school, basically. Right. And to me, I think they missed the mark on that character, even though I loved that character in the movie. It to me, it's like name him something else. He's not your Flash. I see what you're saying. They should right? have named him something else. Okay. Name him Bob. <clears throat> if he was Bob, I would think he was one of the greatest characters in the movie, but he wasn't Flash. Now, a nice cameo was Donald Glover. Yeah, Aaron Davis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was a nice little touch. Yeah. Um, I hope they, you know. With the next film, they, they get a chance to develop them a bit more. Um, I know they couldn't with the, the the film in between because they were in Europe at the time, but it'd be nice to come back to them. That's true. That's true. My favorite thing in that whole movie, I think, was the character Liz, because that gave us the twist that we always got in Spider-Man comics, where it's like, wait a second, your dad's the vulture? Spoiler. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I didn't see that coming, right? Oh, that, was, movie. That, was, that was left field. That, yeah. So if you had done that with the Green Goblin, well, we know the story. Like we, yeah. we've read all the comics. We know yeah, it's you know, coming. yeah, yeah. But that one moment where you realize that, it's like I remember just that feeling of shock in the theater. It's like I didn't see this coming. I'm a huge Spider-Man fan. I know all the comics, but yeah. I didn't know this was going to happen. No, they, no, they handled like, that beautifully. I also like how fast. Uh, he figured out that Peter was Spider-Man. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that that menace. Yeah. When, that, he, when he was giving me, him the it was threat, that moment of you, you know, he puts the two and two together, and then just kind of like Peter are going to have a little, you know, little, little, little father ch- chat here. You go on, and it was just, it was that moment that you realized not only you know is is this guy you know a threat to Peter, but he's damn smart. Yeah. You know, he's putting the stuff together a lot faster than, than Joe Schmo would be. So this guy becomes even that much more formidable. Yeah, his, yeah. So yeah, his, his tombs was fantastic. It was, it was and, so... And he has a, has a bit of a moral code. He didn't give up Peter Parker's name. Not that that yeah. matters at this point, but still. It's true. When you get to the end of the story and you see all that, it's like, oh, they're setting things up. And that gets over the trope of, so many of the other superhero movies where they just kill the villain right away. Yeah. That like, was... No, we're keeping these guys around. But that is classic Spider-Man, though. Exactly. Not to yeah. defeat and get rid of the, which is well, another Spider-Man great one of the, In the comics, has one of the largest rogues gallery because he, they never, he doesn't kill anybody. Yeah, I exactly. mean, he goes out of his way to save the villains when they're in peril. And that's why his rogue gallery is so extensive. Well, yeah. Again, even Spider-Man does it in this movie. He, yeah, has to stop to save friggin' tombs from. Yeah, it's just. I remember watching that in the theater. It's like, oh, here we go again. They're gonna kill the vulture, and they didn't. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Uh, I, that left me pleasantly surprised. The uh, the Obadiah 
Dane uh, uh, arc that have that what happened in the comics didn't 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 he basically like shoot his own head off with a repulsor? Yeah, yeah he put the repulsor. Like, next to he his killed head. himself. Yeah, like and I think but he didn't kill himself after the first fight. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> that that I mean he had multiple battles against Iron Man and when he finally realized the futility of it, that's when he you know took his own life. But yeah, it wasn't just like whoop, fell off the roof. Yeah, just, exactly. Yeah, it's just interesting that uh, Marvel has kind of adopted that you know kill off the bad guy with uh, at the end of each uh, each movie kind of thing. And with Spider Man, they finally kind of went. Wait a second, we need to bring some of these guys back. <laughs> Which I'm kind of shocked that they didn't do, uh, figure that out sooner. I'm still sore at Age of Ultron for killing off uh, Baron Strucker so fast. You know, yes. there's so much more they could have done with him. Oh, right, Strucker. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is kind of, a, yeah, no, knowing what Strucker was, can't, could have been, is, yeah, it is even, kind of sad that they- Even they, Zola. I mean, I wanted to see the, the mechanical suit with his face in the in the chest. I wanted to see all of that in Falcon uh, Winter Soldier. That's all stuff that I wanted to see that I didn't. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I knew it. But anyway- <laughs> one of the bank robbers is so apparently one of the bank robbers in the show that adrian is currently watching is uh trisha helper oh that's good canada's that's good. own trisha helper you know six from battlestar galactica mm. yep. was she a brunette in it is that why or was she a blonde she's wearing that was a wig. oh she's wearing a wig that, she's that a works bank so but is there a robber. cell phone in oh, our alarm clocks? That's what I want. There, there are no right, cell so phones and alarm clocks. We've done oh, homecoming. Let's switch gears over to... No, but a Cylon Kennedy. is robbing a bank. But there is a Cylon robbing a bank. You are correct, yeah. All right, so the um, the, the other movie that uh, we're putting this up against, the uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which I think is uh, pretty high in all of our esteem, correct? Yes, I would uh, mm -hmm. agree, everyone agree to that, that uh, a very strong, especially for a first movie as well, a, a solo effort, I'm saying, as uh, Tom Holland is. Uh, we've got Avengers Infinity War, which, again, like the uh, its follow-up movie, it's uh, directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. And like the uh, movie that follows it, it stars everyone that has starred in a movie for the MCU previously. Um, so what were uh, everyone's impressions of Infinity War? How many times it was did you a guys... Movie, first of all, it was a movie that never should have worked, right? They made an impossible movie. Yes. They did. Right? How many times have people tried to make a superhero movie, cram in too many characters, too many villains, yep. And the whole thing just falls apart. Mm -hmm. But somehow, like uh, the moment they tapped into the idea that this is a movie about Thanos and it's a heist movie, like everything came together and they pulled it off. Like they did the impossible making this one. Yeah, I, th I think this movie, because they started where they did with, you know, Thanos on the, the Asgardian ship, you know, and that pretty much set the tone for Thanos and his crew and they carried that through through the entire film right with the opening scene you beat up the Hulk like get out of here that's normally a the Hulk, weapon you kill Hamadol you break Loki's neck it's it's like oh god you know that's I mean and this is, this is Hamadol, well. someone we've seen for a long time 
yeah. he was all the way back in the original Thor movie. And then to see his end, it was like, oh, oh, oh. And then see him snapping Loki's neck. It was like, oh. oh, oh. And speaking of snaps, like, what a way to end. Yeah, it was like, that's a, you know, it was a big, it was a big deal. And then, you know, you know, Hulk slash Bruce Banner landing in New York and bringing it, that brings us to, together with Doctor Strange. And that brings us together with Iron Man. They, they did a really good job of setting up how to bring these diverse characters together and make little mini teams for various things. And I mean, the Robert Downey Jr. saying, you know, they're after a wizard's necklace. You know, aliens have come down and they're trying to steal a wizard's necklace. That's Just, one of my favorite Spider-Man moments ever because that's the craziness from the comic that you can never yeah, set is. up in its own movie. But no, Spider-Man. What was that thing that to Tony, Tony says? With the necklace. Yeah, he's like so, something about come on, man, you're making me look bad in front of the wizards. <laughs> and it was also the first appearance of Spider-Man's spider sense kicking in. Yes. Yes, and which was like a, a fantastic thing to see too. Yes. The yeah, Peter they, Tangle. And again, like you said, Mike, this should not have worked. This should not have worked as well as it does for the amount of characters, for the amount like it's a two and a half hour movie. It's you get so much story, so much character development for so many characters that it's it is a phenomenally done yeah. movie. I I think this is you know this proves that a a movie like this can work, but you need the right people at the helm, and the Russo brothers prove that they can do it. They can you know put characters together and give each character enough time on screen to have a, at least a little bit of character development before we step away so when we come back we want to go back and see what, what's coming up next like every time they change location to something else i was like all right take me here show me what's going here but take me back and i go there i'm like no give me back over there because i want to see what's now happening it made you want to every time they, they changed venue you were very happy about it yeah you didn't want to leave where you were but you were happy to see what's going on over here because you knew you were coming back and yeah it, it was a movie i was never bored in oh no no not in the but least no the other thing too that that uh, like you, having the right people at the helm was was important but also having the right cast with that with, without anyone being like a full-on you know like prima donna like everyone had you know they had their their their, their share of the spotlight everyone had you know they they knew what they were doing they, they it, it felt cohesive it felt like everyone knew their place yeah that's a hard thing to do in writing when you have that many characters but you can give every single person a moment that's mm -hmm. really good that's one thing like with the star trek series where they always did good with giving each character a moment right any storyline everybody does their thing one problem i had with uh infinity war and probably the only problem i had was groot being the handle of stormbreaker that's the one thing I didn't buy. I was like, ah, I think the handle would break, dude. So it wouldn't handle. Maybe no, I, something in the star metal reinforced. Yeah, I don't know. When, he, when he chopped off his arm, whatever's part of the magic of the of the, the head hammer and the axe, axe transferred down to the, the thing. Now, I did like the way they introduced some of the old and characters we were used to. Like the introduction of Captain America was great that was amazing yeah. i mean she throws the thing and it's like oh we see a silhouette she goes, and then he catches it and now we can see and it's just like oh, okay lady you're about to get your ass kicked and the fact and that it was essentially the secret adventures without being this you know like they don't have to spell it out but it pulls from the comic books that idea 
Yeah. And it yeah, was just... it, that's the other thing too. It also, because of the writers, because um, the writers of uh, Christopher Marcus and uh, Stephen McFeely, who go by the duo of Marcus and McFeely, um, they've worked with the Russos with, uh, I think, uh, the Winter Soldier they worked on and, and Civil War, and they've done some other stuff with. And some... they also wrote the first Captain America. It, so it was the first Captain America that they worked on. Okay, I can remember yeah. if they went that far back, but yeah, so they've been with this universe writing and they've also worked with the Russos. So that's another reason why it's such a uh, an all-encompassing storyline that works out well because you've got this strong writing team with this directing team and again you're also borrowing from you're standing on top of like this great pile of product that has been put out before before you and it's it's just been a great culmination of the 10 years which is a phenomenal thing yeah, this is this is a movie that I don't think they would have been able to make ten years previous. Like if they tried to do this shortly after doing Iron Man, this movie would have been a huge, huge flop. This was a movie that took all the other movies before it to set up to make it possible, um, because otherwise they would have had to been just explaining backstory after backstory after backstory after backstory, which you know would have ballooned the 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 duration of the movie of you know, past six hours, and and no one would have sat through it. Okay, I, I, I don't think that, I understand what you were saying there, but I don't think this movie, they would have been able to pull off, not like after, like, not okay. like, um, <laughs> we got a bit, a bit anticipation. of anticipation. Yeah, exactly. We got a bit of a crying child on the uh the monitor right now so okay um uh, yeah, so if yeah so if this movie I, this movie does need the 10 years to build up to it, that's for yeah. sure but i don't think 10 years ago this movie could have been done just yeah I, technology, I the technology wise alone was, yeah yeah i don't think the technology was available to do the yeah the, the litany of effects that they did in the duration they had it's better not to discuss that <laughs> um so yeah Dr. It, evil just, over there yeah this this uh, i enjoyed infinity war um it had a lot of highs and lows through it wasn't just a a linear in terms of emotional story i mean you, you have a high and a low and a high and a low and it kept yeah. that little roller coaster kept you engaged Mm -hmm. So you would cheer when the highs happened and you'd be like, <gasps> when something bad happened. Um, and the emotional moments, right? Like you have all this spectacle, but the way it pulls at your heartstrings. Yeah. Like the yeah. Gamora yeah. and Nebula stuff. That right? move, yeah. Phenomenal. Again, again, showing how you develop characters from other, again, like you, I, you keep going back to it. There's no way this should have worked but it did and again you're just because of what has come before it like the building of like the nebula and the gamora storyline you wouldn't mm -hmm. have gotten that if your previously incarnations of of zoe and karen working together as the characters as they evolve to get to this point it's just yeah 
it's just i'd be really really curious to watch that movie with somebody who's never seen a marvel movie before my hunch is that it would hold up i think you could throw someone into that movie they might not know what the hell's going on especially at the start but i'm guessing it would captivate them like they'd be thrown right in you know to the eye of the hurricane but i bet they would be able to follow the story enough and it makes sense the whole way through. I, th- I think they would be able to follow the, the movie story, but I think they would miss a lot of the connections, right? Uh, the emotional connections. They're like, oh no, he threw. You'd have to be, yeah. Trip. You'd have to be doing a lot of pause. Hey, this person said this because of this, or that yeah. you you look over and see that they have this what, and you're like, oh no, this guy here did this and this, and then that girl over there with that, and like, oh, okay. right. You you definitely be, have to pause this movie every once in a while. But you are I, right. I'm pretty sure that they would. As a movie alone. Yeah. Now, something that I, th- I thought that was really nice was every time we got introduced to uh, a new character or a new group of characters, they kept the tone of those characters from the previous movie. So like the Guardians of the Galaxy, when they switched to space and they're, that felt like James Gunn. It really right. did. Like that felt like it was just pulled right out of a James Gunn film and put in the way they were interacting with each other. And then when, you know, when Thor the hits rubber the rubber band man playing on the stereo. Yeah. And then when they, they get him in there and the way they're reacting to Thor until he wakes up, that was very James Gunn. Yeah. Like this is the way these characters act. This is the way they would talk. This is the way they would approach that situation. And then once, you know, Thor and Rocket and Groot took off, then it kind of like, you know, now we're in back into a Russo film. But it was just that it was nice that you know, every time they'd introduce characters, like, oh, well, this is how it would be if his, the original director was still going, and then we keep going. But they, they'd make that switch, but it would be so seamless, you wouldn't notice it. You just accept it and keep moving forward. And even the fact that the Russos hadn't done anything this crazy before, like the yeah, Captain like America this. movies are very grounded in reality. Yeah. But then you get something like this, this insane space opera, and they just knocked it out of the park. Mm-hmm. and throw in friggin wizards and whatnot and yeah aliens yeah exactly. a wizard's necklace mm-hmm. that was nice i mean like tony giving those quips like you know earth's clothes squidward you know stuff like that right even the fact that wakanda was in it and they were working on this movie before black panther was mm-hmm. done so they were operating That's right before yeah. they even knew it was going to be such a breakout hit you how know, Wakanda ended up being such a solid part of this movie too and so fleshed out while they were still working. That's right. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. I loved all of the red herrings that they, the Rooster Brothers did to the trailers. Like the yes. Hulk running it right running with the Wakandans. It's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, he's gonna he, he's gonna he's gonna be running with the Wakandans, he's gonna beat the crap out. Oh he's in the Hulkbuster outfit. Yes. And I did okay. like the fact that you know he's in the Hulkbuster outfit. And Bruce Banner did not know how to operate it that well. He was just like, "This is like being the Hulk." Oh, and the look of disdain <laughs> was—it was just like one of those moments, like, "Oh, yeah." And then he's got to like pull the dirt out of the out of the helmet, and then so he can turn the head again, and then keeps running. Yeah, just yeah. little moments like that. And apparently, in one version of the script, he was supposed to turn into the Hulk at the end of that movie. There was a toy. Um, they like at the Hong Kong uh, Toy Festival. They they showed images of the toy of you know it's it's a Hulkbuster outfit, but it would come apart as the Hulk comes out. Yes. And I was like, ooh, are they going to have that moment? I was expecting that moment when he went off to 
you know, help Vision. And I can't remember which character was he'd be kicking his ass and eventually slapped the arm on him and sent him up to the to the shield. But I fully expected the Hulk to come out at that moment, but didn't. Yeah. And, it was a, and I think they made the right choice by doing that. Yeah, because I think that sets up the Bruce Banner and the Hulk's fusion in Endgame. Yeah, you know, setting it, up it, Professor Hulk. Yeah, setting up yeah. Professor Hulk was yeah, yeah. It's it again, and Endgame is a beautiful like follow up to this like fantastically done movie. And again, it's in itself has a totally different feel than this one here. But uh, and again, emotional. It's it's a roller coaster ride, like you said, Mike. It was. Yeah. It's, it's and, and I'll say it again. I truly think that Black Panther crapped his suit when Thor showed up. <laughs> I mean, up until you got to figure up until that point, he had never dealt with a being of Thor's power level. Thank ever. God for Wakanda depends. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, think of all the other heroes he, he didn't. He never got him. to see the Hulk. He, he was dealing with Bruce Banner and the Hulkbuster armor, but it's armor. It's it's, it's technology. He's he's surrounded by technology. He's wearing technology. Yeah, yeah. You know, Thor sh- shows up. Okay, yeah, he can teleport. That's fine. But when he jumps in the air and the sky darkens and the, the electricity, and when you see him land, I've paused the frame and you see the sheer number of those space dogs that he wiped out in one hit. You got to think at that point, T'Challa's like, I need, I, I, I got to go clean this, this suit because, damn, I'm, 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 I'm now, you know, I'm swinging with the little leagues and the major league players have just showed up. All right, so I guess um, I guess it just basically comes down to it: um, which is the better of the movies? Because they're on two different scales. That's the thing, too. They're two yeah. totally different scales of movie. One is a much smaller movie, but still a huge movie on its own. And then you got uh, the the epic ending of ten years. Not to mention the fact that Homecoming actually follows up the. Uh, the two movies of Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, like the yeah. thing to follow this is. Oh no! Wait, I've got no, this backwards. It came, it came after. Yes, Civil it came War. after Civil War, right? So this was this was just prior to. So yeah. yeah. So I guess Far we, From Home wrapped up the. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, sorry, the, sorry. I've got yeah, I've got that Far From Home. I got Far From Home stuck in my head there for a second. Sorry about that. But um, my vote is for Infinity War. Yeah, I mean. Tom Holland like killed it in 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 Homecoming, but he also killed it in in uh, in in uh, Infinity War. You yeah, know? I mean, who 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 didn't start feeling their heartbreak when he's like, Mister Stark, I don't feel yeah. so good. I, I look at it as both movies were on TV at the same time. Which one am I going to watch more? Which one we're going to flip to and use the other one as as going to have commercial breaks? So, uh, that's a tough one to do. Yeah. So for me, got, with I would commercials, with commercials, War, yeah. You know I'd how long in, those movies are going to be? Yeah, I'd, I'd I'd be watching Infinity War during the commercial breaks. I'd flip to Homecoming and then flip back. So oh, I see. When they got you. Okay. Okay. What an interesting what thing that my son told me. In time. Oh. Sorry, say again, Gav. What if uh, What if Homecoming was showing commercials at the same time? Oh. Bathroom break. Okay, what were you saying, Mike? One thing that my sons told me is that Tom Holland got his death scene inspired a lot by David Tennant's death scene in Doctor Who. 
And when I was watching that, I was like, oh man, this is so much like the Spider-Man being snapped. So I thought that was very interesting because I did hear that that whole scene was like an improv on set. But that would be interesting. You know, call back to the rest of these podcasts that we were talking about with Doctor Who, but it would be neat if that's true how they or how Tom Holland did pull from the David Tennant performance for that. I, I And again, I do not doubt that. Again, Tom Holland not being an American actor coming, hailing from England and the David Tennant would have been in his youth when he was uh, when he was uh, had experienced it. I would not doubt that it would have been an influence on him and something to pull from because and it ended up being one of the most powerful moments in this entire exactly. And again, from what I understand, is the line delivery the what was going to happen obviously was scripted, but the line delivery is what was Tom Holland himself as the unscripted part. His line of is saying his goodbye and and Robert Downey Jr.'s reaction to trying to hold on to the, the fading dust and all that again emotional is like you can't you cannot get a more emotional film than I think than you got in Infinity War there was there's no doubt about it um that being said Spider-Man Homecoming is a fantastic movie and we can't not forget that it is it is if if it was not going up against i think if it was going up against almost any other movie there is no doubt homecoming would continue on but i gotta go with you guys as well it's it's got to be infinity war that moves on to the next round yeah that gets my vote as well yeah all right so we uh got round two down and uh, so next week we are going to have the uh, number third, the third seed, which is actually on the list at number eight, and that's 2012's The Avengers, uh, which pulled in one billion five hundred and eighteen million eight hundred and fifteen thousand five hundred and fifteen dollars, and that is going up against. The number 14 seed, which on the list is at the 63rd position, and that is 2007's Spider-Man 3, which actually pulled in 894,983,373. No, 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 no. I'm going to stop everyone right now. No opinions right now. We're going to leave that till next week. We're not going to discuss anything about... Avengers or Spider-Man 3 because I know what everyone wants to say. Just say it's going to be a lively debate. It's, it, it, I, I highly doubt it's going to be much of a debate. It might be lively though. It'll, It'll definitely be lively. be lively for sure. It will be lively. All right. So that is going to be it. So we're going to wrap it up. Um, we're going to say our goodbyes and uh, we're going to call it quits. So individuals are all together. I'm calling it quits. You calling it quits? Our goodbyes. I'm calling it so long. And I'll catch you guys on the flip side. You've just been listening to a Planet Geek production of Geeking Off the Page with your hosts, Michael Kitchen, Trevor Brown, Gavin Burbage, and me, Troy Bowman. 
If you'd like to reach out to us on the social medias, we can be found on both Instagram and Twitter at Planet Geek Pod, all one word. On Facebook, we have a group, so search for Planet Geek Productions. Or send us an email at planetgeekpod at gmail.com. Be sure to like, subscribe, share, and rate this podcast. A five-star review would really help our podcast get recognized and allow others the opportunity to find us easier. To help us even further out, please visit either Patreon slash Planet Geek Productions or Ko-Fi.com, that's K-O-F-I.com slash Planet Geek Pod, where any and all donations will be going right back into the improvement of all Planet Geek Productions. Thank you for listening. And, um, you can't just mute us, Troy. <laughs> she's part, she's a fifth member. Sorry, yeah. guys. I, I apologize for blanking on that. I should have left that on. I'm sorry about that. But apparently, I, um, I'm a jerky McJerkerson. I'm a jerky McJerkerson, if you didn't hear that because I forgot to replace toilet paper that was supposed to go upstairs. And I know, I know, Trevor. Yes, I know. It's a shameful thing. <laughs> very, very bad, man. Very, yes, very, very, bad. very, very bad. <laughs> there is no, there is no panic quite like that panic when you reach over and realize there is nothing to pull from. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you turn behind you and there's nothing else in the bathroom. You're like, bath mat, maybe? Then, then you, 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 you got to do the shuffle. Yeah, the model <laughs> shuffle all across the house trying to find anything. Yeah, exactly. Cats are running away because they have experience. They clean themselves, so I mean, they're used to it. Sort of thing. Uh, use a bunny rabbit. Okay, so okay. Um, hey, where were we? What's we were talking. We were talking about. We were talking about Morbius and how no one is really interested in seeing Morbius. It's still. Why is it hot here? Were you sitting here? Where, where, over there? Yeah. No. Oh, no, it's the laundry. Oh, the laundry was there. Yes, that's why the seat is hot. Yes. Where's my remote? And then they did one of the coolest things, and they had footage of people in the theater during Captain getting Milner, Captain saying meow, meow, Avengers Assemble. Called. Meow meow. Yes. Meow meow. meow, meow. Louie? I, I, I don't think I can't wait to see bat nipples again. <laughs> From the team that brought you the Batman cod piece, we bring you bat nipples. Yeah. Going down the bat pool. <laughs> Going down the bat pool. Thank you, Joel Schumacher. <laughs> Thank you, Gavin. <laughs> Going down the bad pool. Oh, ah, Ooh, you've been doing a little bit of uh, got to work on the little uh, pipes there. <laughs> Either that or stop the smoker's smoking. cough. Yeah, you smoker's know. cough, exactly. I've yeah. never having smoked in my life. Yeah. Um, the whole entire once, once Flash, once they finally figure out what is going on, and uh, turns out with two flashes in the same time stream there's 
both of them can't be as can't use the uh, the time. Wow, I really should have boned up on my DC knowledge. Uh, what is it with the Flash when they use the time? Yeah, um, we can fix this in post. Yeah, yes. I totally can because I'll remember this point. I'll remember this in point. Anyways, uh, we'll be yelled at by people, but who cares? No one really listens to this anyways. <laughs> But give her those candles. Give who what candles? Uh, see. Intermission. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. Let's go out to the lobby. All together now. <laughs> Somebody should uh, leave a little post-it note outside Disney's door. What's that? An opportunity to buy DC? Ha, 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 ha. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I... Could do worse. But on the what, side... your Mickey Mouse impression? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, there's, there's, there's... I knew who it was. I thought it was great, Gavin. Thank you, no, Mike. Don't no, don't get me wrong, Gavin. That was that was hilarious. I wasn't expecting someone to be doing a Mickey Mouse impression. I just, I'm sorry. I that was that was actually wrong. That was Mickey Mouse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, yeah. Don't quit your day job. Fuck you guys. I'm going home. Or you right, home. I got that too. Uh, what did you guys think of all the main characters? Because I thought they were pretty good. It was kind of like you got Rambo, you know, in charge. Yeah. Yeah. You got Lobot. That's uh -huh. cool. You know, you got Drax, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You got uh, the little girl from the Ewok Adventures. Who is so the that... new thing? She, this is the first time that we've yeah. been introduced. She was a part of it. Oh my God. That. You're talking. Oh my God. It, um... mm -hmm. Oh no. Oh, see, I, oh, I stupidly have Gertie stuck in my head, but that's Drew Barrymore from ET, and now yeah. I can't think of the girl from the Ewok movies. Ewok we have Google. I, she's just a little girl from the Ewok. Yeah, exactly. Adventures. It's a little girl. Uh, type it in. Who is little girl from Ewok movies? <laughs> Alrighty then. So, uh, yeah, well, what so do you guys think about Eternals so far? I'm, <laughs> I'm not the, sure what to think, honestly. The three seconds that we saw, still not sold. Still not sold at all. I it's like I keep getting hit and miss on that. Like I wasn't thrilled with the original idea of the casting and the gender bending and all that kind of stuff. Then I heard about the filming of it, where they're trying to keep as much practical sets and natural yeah. settings, all yeah. that kind of stuff. It's like okay, I'm pretty sold on that. Then I'm gonna do a screen share here. Let's see if this works. Um, someone had put together this Mike thing with the comparison of the original oh, the Kirby characters Force. with the, you know, like the oh, I see, okay, PG designs of them, and it's like okay, the top ones, like the movie characters, look like the judge looks video game close. characters, I guess, but oh, I see, okay, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like what's with the spindly arm on the judge? Yeah. It's like he yeah. can't even pick up his own coffee. <laughs> it's so strange. And I think that um, both like in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy with James Gunn and with uh, Thor Ragnarok, 
Taika Watiki, is that how you say his name? Yeah. Um, like they were able to capture the Kirby design. They did. The like well when they showed, uh, oh, who was it? Uh, who do they show with the, uh, when they're showing the power gem? I can't, I, I knew the name of the celestial they showed. I remember the shot and that, I thought that was phenomenal. But it's like, I wonder why they wouldn't get those guys in as, you know, assistant art directors on this and just kind of yeah, help like, guide it, the look. Okay, so I will admit that I don't know a lot about the Eternals. Now, are these, so the Kirby drawings, are they just, like, are they regular humans or, like, like not regular They're humans? They're like space gods. So are they, like, giants or are they, like, human sh size or can they change their their shapes or whatever their their sizing or something like that are they like giants it, they can be whatever size they they want to be okay so they can adapt i guess wherever they are right yeah okay okay here i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna share a quick screen thing here uh let's see if i can get this to work probably not there we go uh, there you go yeah perfect i see what you're talking about oh yeah Hold on. So that the, there's the, the yes. still frame of the yeah 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 yeah. And that I mean, you pull it up versus the Kirby, and that's almost that identical. is identical. Yeah, that is yep. that is definitely copying of the Kirby. Yes, for sure. And but it's like they couldn't do it. Like like they were like, well, yeah, we're gonna come in out of the gate a little stupid. Yeah, that's the problem with a lot of Hollywood productions is you get art designers that think they're smarter than the original source material and it's like back in the 90s godzilla yeah right? it's like oh i had a pet iguana once so i have to make godzilla my iguana it's like nah you don't it should be a guy in a rubber suit yeah well they 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 they've kind of fixed that with the apex uh, power uh power master optimus prime by giving him like arms that actually extended past like you know hit mid mid torso so it looks better. Still not great, but better. Yeah. Have you seen that power baser one? I think so. That's the one fans, fan toys, fans. I hobby. forget who makes it. But oh, it's, it's show like, and tell time, apparently. Show and tell time. Always great, for, oh, yeah, always yeah. great for an audio podcast. So, so is that oh, the that, Okay. The... So that's what you were just talking about, Mike. Then. Yeah. Okay. Now I know which one you're talking about. Okay. I've seen, yeah, I've seen that one before. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get I mean, one of mine. I've seen on, of course you are. Of course you are. Why is this man wearing a hey, shower hat? <laughs> this has to become a video podcast, right? You know what? I think segments are going to be video. Right, that's like the OG version. So that's the original. Yep. Yeah, that's the original. Uh, yeah, the, the Optimus Prime does separate transform, but it's like suffering from the classic gener uh, you know, G2, end of G1, you know, just it's a it's a brick former. Just yeah. Gobots have some some gobots have more mobility. What do you have? Wait, sorry. Yes. Hello. What? Yes. So I was reading about. What are you reading? I was about? reading about the dark days of fan fiction today, which is like before, before AO, 
before a before AO3, right? Okay, just a sec. You guys hearing this? <laughs> sort of. It, it, it ties into what you're talking about. Okay. So it was it, it was talking about the day like even like before Live Journal, like when it was when all fanfic was like on Live Journal or on fanfiction.net and you had to lock it down. And the reason why they were giving this history lesson is because people were saying like I didn't create these characters, uh, I um whatever at the beginning of their thing, and they're like, well, obviously you didn't. Why do you have to put that disclosure? And they're like, oh, my sweet sweet summer child. You were not alive during the dark days of fan fiction where Anne Rice tried to suicide and we all had to go into hiding. They're like, even Lucas got, even Lucasfilm got in on the deal. And apparently there were rules, right, for fan fiction for like everybody, right? And one of, and, and one of Lucasfilm's rules was that you couldn't have anything overtly gay that would besmirch the pure reputation of the Imperials. The pure reputation of the Imperials. The, 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 the child killing Imperials. Like, hello. <laughs> anyway, yes, those pure Imperials, you can't just, you can't besmirch them with the gays. No, they cannot, no, no. The moral, you know, the pure moral standings of the Imperial Guards and the Torchers. Anyway. Well, I guess that would make sense because in the early days of Star they Wars have itself. They to be gay. They're all clones. There weren't any chicks. <laughs> but is that, Mike laughing at that me? Whole... Yes, Mike is totally laughing at you right the, now. The, this, is, this is the whole cloning part. Yeah. Clones. And we got some great Trevor gifts out of that. So that was amazing. Yeah, that was Thank good. You, we, got some good we got some good Trevor reactions as well. So, yes. Clones. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there you go. The vapors, the vapors. So, but Anne Rice was the worst. Yes, Anne Rice was the worst. I do remember that about Anne Rice doing that sort of thing. I did realize it actually ran into yeah, the Star Wars universe and, as well. you, and she actually, when she finally came around and said, okay, you can do the fan fiction, but I have rules. And her rules were like, you couldn't ship people that she didn't approve of. Like you could only, you couldn't do shipping. Like, like, so like you couldn't put Lestat with someone that Lestat wouldn't normally be with. You couldn't like, mm-hmm. And they're, so they're basically saying that, you know, that we can all thank Admiral Misha for for blowing it out of the water. Now everybody accepts flat fan fiction and slash because of Misha Collins. Yes. Good old supernaturals, <laughs> Misha Collins. Specific, specifically Misha. It was all Misha. Like, we got to get Adrian a proper microphone. We definitely got to get Adrian a proper microphone, yes. We'll just put the headset on it. We'll just get one of the gaming headsets and put it on her, and she can listen. With a little know. GoPro, so she can walk around as a, you know, there you fifth go. window. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um. So uh, 